This episode of the Far End of the Bench podcast with Jimmy Pilato and Nico Bryant is presented by the Unhinged Sports Network in partnership with FuboTV and Fanatics.com. What's up, bench warmers? Episode 25. I mean, we're, we're already to episode 25. That's crazy. My my name is Jimmy Pilato. My co-host, Nico Bryant, you'll hear him in the center of attention segment. Very heartfelt center of attention segment today. Uh, this is episode is coming out a day after the one-year anniversary of the tragic passing of Kobe and Gianna Bryant and the nine other passengers of that helicopter. But Obviously, it's a, it's a moment that we have to take advantage of and, and recognize it. We also had tons of sports to talk about. Championship weekend. We didn't talk about Super Bowl because we're saving that for next week. Uh, we had UFC, great UFC, and then basketball, hockey talk, obviously, moving forward through the rest of this year. Thank you guys for rocking with us so far. Be sure to follow us on our social media platforms at FEOTBpod, uh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. All the link trees are in our bios where you can find our information whether it's podcasting platforms, YouTube channel, uh, partnerships with the Unhinged Sports Network. Catch us Wednesdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Unhinged Sports Network. UnhingedSN.airtime.pro is the link that you can find us at, but there's 24-7 sports coverage. Uh, Nico and I are all across the network, so if you tune in, there's a very good chance that you'll hear one of our voices. Uh, with with that, Nico, we, we got some USC to talk about. Let's go ahead. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say... Michael Chandler got like an 8.5 on his debut because that backflip was iffy. Oh, man, that was a 10 debut. Are you kidding me? I mean, my leg still hurts watching those leg kicks from Poirier. Are you kidding me? Uh, I could, I'm stumbling just watching that happen. Well, we'll see. We'll see what the fans think. Beautiful girls tell me goodbye. Trucks break down, dogs run off, politicians lie and fired by the Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This week, um, we, we had to do a center attention like this because it is the one year anniversary of Kobe passing away. And um, we were recording this the day before. Obviously, um, January 26th is the day that he passed away last year. And I, I guarantee you, everyone out there knows exactly where they were the day, or the time, the real. Excuse me. Wow, um, the where they were and what they were doing when the news broke and everything happened last year. Um, the day we were recording this, it, one of Kobe's last tweets was uh, continuing to move the game forward. It was after LeBron um, passed him in the all-time um, scoring list, and he has continued to do that. LeBron has shown out for the city of LA, but. With Kobe, that was one of the things with him is he was constantly wanting to improve the game, whether it be on the floor, off the floor, whatever it may be. The game of basketball is a better person because of him. This this uh, the, the game in the world has not been the same since he's passed away. Since him and Gigi unfortunately passed away one year ago, um, it's it's been a long road. It's uh, we miss you, we miss you, Mamba. It's I, I got the USA jersey, I got the Mamba Mamba hoodie underneath. Uh, I'm gonna be rocking you all week because that's just the type of person and player he was. As much as I hated him on the court, like I said, he was one of the f- top five all greats in my opinion, top three um, even. But it's it's one of the sad things. I want everyone to just reflect partially, la- la- hug a loved one, um, be there for one another because like like we know, um, things can things can change in the blink of an eye. Things we we don't know about um, what could happen on a daily basis. Be there for each other. Uh, be a good person. Uh, be there for one another, like Kobe lived by, and be have a mama mentality of I am going to be the hardest worker in the gym. But when my time comes, I'm going to be a family man 
at first and be there for my friends and be there for the people that love me and I can love back. Um, <clears throat> so then me to, I, I know that this is the second time of me doing a memorial like this for Kobe, but it was needed this week uh, because of everything that happened this week. And I just want everyone to take the time and, and look at look at each other, look at each other's families, be there for one another, and no matter what in life, always always live with that mentality of I will be the hardest worker in the gym, but I will care for one another more than anything in the world. And that's just how Kobe wanted to live. Kobe, we miss you. Um, I I mean I'll wear your last name on my back with pride. Um, I, like I said, I've had the same last night, name as you, and. I will never forget, and I'll wear 8 and 24 and 10 as well with pride because of that. And um, this week, just be there for one another and remember, do everything you can to remember Kobe this week because that's the way he lived his life. So without further ado, didn't mean to tear you guys up a little bit, but let's get into the rest of the episode because we have an absolutely fantastic one for you all. Well, Benchwarmers, uh, Nico, I think he was saying that it was – interesting whether or not we should repeat about doing a center of attention about Kobe I think uh I mean I didn't have a single problem with it I knew that it was his week to come up with what we were going to talk about and I think one of the the good parts about that piece that you just did was mentioning you know it's one of those moments in time where you can actually remember where you were um and unfortunately in, in today's day and age it was not necessary. I it wasn't. Oh my God, Kobe just died. It was more of a, is this real? Like is somebody pulling a prank or something like that? But I I think you know, his whole story, his whole few years after he retired, he achieved everything that he needed to in basketball. Then achieved an Oscar, which is something that, I mean, obviously he's a very smart guy. Spoke I don't even know how many languages, but that was, you know. It, he attacked everything the way that he did, and he rode that helicopter because he wanted to be able to be there to pick up his kids from school. So it wasn't like it was a selfish flex or anything like that. Yeah. It's it's a tough day. Yeah, one of the one of the reasons why he always rode a helicopter. I mean, he rode a helicopter ever since his first championship with Shaq was because he wanted to be able to go to practice right away and still be home for his family for dinner, take his kids to school, do all that because of obviously the L.A. traffic and everything. And his, it was a long time um, – helicopter flight attendant as well that he worked for so many years never had a problem it was just one misty day that things just went sideways i mean every single person i playing there was many players there was a family another family as well i, I apologize i don't remember the names exactly um, but kobe gg being the obviously most notable um it's it's like i said I, I remember waking up on that saturday on that sunday morning and and I, I mean, I, I was asleep still, and I, I had a knock on my door, and my Jonah, who's my roommate, who he knocked on my door and said, "Did you hear the news?" And I was like, uh, "No, I just, I just woke up. What's going on?" He said, "Kobe just passed away in a helicopter." I was like, "You're lying to me. Let me go back to bed." Yeah. I was like, "You're lying to me. There's no shot." And then lo and behold, I checked Twitter. Everybody's like, "Is this real? Is this real? Is this real?" I turn on ESPN. There's the. There's a crash, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's one of those things where it's 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 so effective or so emotional right now about it because I grew up watching him play for so long. It's it's fresh in my mind watching him dominate, watching him play in the Olympics, watching him um, beat my Nuggets every single year. Um, it's it's all fresh in my mind, and considering it just happened, hit this this early on his into his retirement when he was just starting to build a family and and all of his beautiful daughters were all 
reared up and ready to tear or carry on the Bryant legacy. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a tough day. Um, like I said, like I've, I've, I'm going to be rocking my USA Jersey. I told you I wouldn't go back to back jerseys. So I didn't wear the Mamba Jersey, but I have my Mamba. Um, I, I won't pop it all out, but my Mamba, uh, Mamba Academy hoodie. And then obviously my Kobe fives. I don't know if you can see that on YouTube. No, you Maybe good. not. I they don't got, know. They, yeah. they got it. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I, yeah, I, I got a little bit of love for the Bryant last name and, um, like I said, take care of your loved ones, hug one another, because things can happen in a blink of an eye. Yeah, that's the main point about this whole thing. And, you know, it was it was an interesting Sunday, like you were saying, because I was up doing schoolwork, and then I got a text, and I had my Mac on me, so I got the text from my computer. Was like, and I was working on a paper, and my dad said, did you see Kobe died? And I was like, no, that has to be, like, that has to be fake. That can't, can't actually happen. Because he was one of those guys, you know, you expected him to live forever. Mm-hmm. It was almost like Kobe was going to be around long after I was mm-hmm. gone just because he he had that kind of fierce mentality and he wanted to be around for everything that all of his daughters did. And I think, you know, I, I was in the same boat as you. I didn't really like him on the court. I, I appreciated the way that he played the game, but I didn't really like him on the court. Heard about him as a teammate was kind of iffy. And then seeing all the stories. And the one that kind of stuck out the most was uh, – Jimmy Fallon, the, his statement that he made just about being a girl dad. And, and a lot of guys, I mean, I, I know myself, I'm terrified to have a daughter when I do end up mm-hmm. having kids. And he said that that was one of the biggest thrills that he got out of life was being a girl dad. And girls are so interesting and so, mo- so much different. And um, he, he just attacked life differently. So I, I think that on the one-year anniversary of his death, which you'll be hearing this either a day later or two days later if you're watching on YouTube – it's just to take a moment, see how you can attack life a little bit differently, and go out and do it the way that he would want it. I mean, Mamba mentality doesn't just stand for athletics. It stands for this podcast. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why we work so hard at doing something that doesn't really – I mean, it pays dividends because we love the listeners. We love all that kind of stuff, but it's not a job yet. It's, it's still a hobby, but we're attacking it like – I believe we're attacking it how we think Kobe would have tried to, to do something like this. And exactly. It's – you know, like we said, it's tough don't necessarily it's it's still fresh i mean it's been a year but it's still fresh especially with everything else that's gone on this year so i agree with you tell tell everybody that you love you love them um no matter what because it it can be it can change in an instant and uh i mean rest in rest in power kobe rest in power Gigi, and everybody else the nine other people who were involved in that unfortunate helicopter accident Mm -hmm. um because that all those people deserve to be remembered that same way. Nobody was more important than anybody else. Kobe was just the biggest. Kobe and Gigi were just the biggest name. So, very tragic event. Now we're gonna try and segue out of it. This is uh, this is where the the radio broadcasting kind of comes in handy. It was a huge weekend in sports, which yeah, is only fitting. About, yeah. It was only fitting because it was gonna be the the anniversary of Kobe's death, and he was a huge sports fan. We had. Huge UFC. I mean, there's Huge UFC nothing Nothing I thought, nothing we said was going to happen, happened, which is awesome. That's the best way to do it. We did sound like idiots. We did sound like big idiots. So that, that that's always good. Uh, and we had both championship games. Championship Sunday was pretty pretty intense. We have the Super Bowl matchup set. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be the first team to host a Super Bowl in their home stadium. 
and they're going up against what's turning into the evil empire in Kansas City. Yeah, there's a butt ton of, of great sports content. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy's rocking the new uh, adult men's league team, so you there might you see go. some footage about that soon. Um, we we, uh, we got a squad playing on Thursdays upcoming, so you should, you'll hear about that on all of our social medias because um, we're, we're like the ragtag bunch. We're not, we're not, we may not be the most athletic, but we're, we're a pretty decent team, so you'll hear about that a lot of fun. Jimmy's got the jersey, obviously, to work out in. We yeah. have blue side. You got to rep the brand. You know what I mean? No, I, I, I like this side a little bit, and and now we've both screen pressed something. Jeez. If you see the sweatshirts that we wear and gave out to our friends of the podcast, I screen printed those. Nico I'll tell you screen- one thing: Jimmy's screen printing is a lot better than mine. Mine, I had to iron this; and it took forever. Oh my god, it was a headache and a half. Well, uh, there we we know that we're not going to get into the apparel business. Exactly. We're, yeah. we'll, we're, we're, we'll, we'll we'll stick to. Yeah. Have, we'll have other people help us out with that. More. Outsourcing. Yeah, That's exactly. what it. We'll, we'll outsource. But let's go ahead. We'll start. Uh, with the NFL because we, we kind of want to break up the, the – there's big football talk at the beginning and the end. We're going to do our post postseason awards uh, instead of our pick em, and then obviously we got our ending of the show segments. We'll, we'll dive into the deep more about the Super Bowl next week, 100%. We'll just touch on the NFC, AFC this week. Super Bowl, obviously next week we're going to have a ton to talk about, so that's going to be the main focus next week. Yeah, so there's no no need, and we're only doing one podcast this week, which mm-hmm. seems like a while since we've done that, but no need to, to overshoot our wads or anything like that. Let's start off talking about the championship games from yesterday. Uh, you want to start NFC or AFC? Because let's, let's make my life uh, – what, what's less traumatic for myself? Let's go uh, the Chiefs because I can't stand Tom Brady. Okay. I, didn't, I thought we would be going uh, AFC first so that we can get the Kansas City Chiefs out of the way. Uh, but okay, so did the Bills give up? I don't know about giving up. I just think it just was a matter of they're not there yet. I think this is very, very similar. I'm not going to say it's the exact. I'm going to say it's similar to what the Chiefs were two years ago mm-hmm. when they lost the Patriots going into the Super Bowl and Tom Brady was the empire. I think the Bills have the tools. They're there, but they're not better than the Chiefs. And it's just, I mean... Yeah. We are seeing on paper and on the field one of the best offenses I think I have ever seen. Mm-hmm. I cannot believe Travis Kelsey. We'll, you'll hear about him a little bit later. But Travis Kelsey, um, Tyreek Hill, man, what a beautiful offense this is. And I saw I saw a thing on on Twitter that was like. In in twenty is either twenty eleven or twenty twelve, the Eagles fired Andy Reid because they brought in Chip Kelly because mm-hmm. they wanted to reinvent. They, they wanted to change the offense because they, they saw the game doing different. Well, when Andy Reid went to the Chiefs, he reinvented offensive football in the NFL. And boy, is this fun to watch. I hate saying that because I, I don't hate the Chiefs, Chiefs as much as I do the Raiders. But the Chiefs I do not like at all. And considering Patrick Mahomes is in my division. And, and he's going to be for a while. For a very long time. Uh the Broncos are gonna have to do something different. That's a story. That's a that's a topic for another day. Yeah. Um, the Bills just are not there yet. Josh Allen, I love the, his leadership. I love Stephon Stephon Diggs yeah. soaking it all in, staying after, after and watching the. There, that's kind of been a new trend recently. With, exactly. When because uh, I know Cincinnati did that when Georgia beat them in their bowl game. Mm, yeah, but, he's soaking it all in mm-hmm. and being in there in the moment. But the Bills, like I said, this is this is a this is a momentum shift for the organization because now free like we said before free agents are going to want to come there mm-hmm. you, they're you're a great tra- draft capital still um this team will be built 
in the future. It's not built over one night. Bills fans, you've won your two playoff games. Now you got the monkey off your back. Now you can start worrying or looking toward the future. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of hope moving forward, and I think seeing how well that relationship between Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen blossomed should. I mean, it, yeah, it was a everyone sad thought. Diggs was washed. Yeah. And it was sad boy hours last night in Buffalo. I saw plenty of of sad table dives to commemorate the end of the season. But really, you know, Sean McDermott has reestablished that culture. He's a part of the Andy Reid coaching tree. I think, honestly, all this did yesterday was further cement Andy Reid's legacy as a Hall of Fame head coach. Mm -hmm. There was questions about whether or not he should be one last year after only winning his first Super Bowl. Now I think, especially when you look at his coaching tree, all all these guys that were in – I mean, by, I believe Brian Relefowicz was on his staff at one point who was the offensive coordinator for Tampa. Sean McDermott obviously is, is going to be a very successful head coach. Doug Peterson, who won – I mean, Doug Peterson kind of – Not now, but not, a few years ago. Two years, years ago, good, Doug yeah. Peterson, he was establishing coach, that. Frank yeah. Reich obvi- also with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, but, yeah, I think what we're seeing with the Chiefs right now, it's going to last as long as some of these contracts do. And they did finally – they locked up Mahomes and – that contract has so much room for wiggle that they're going to be able to still bring in big-time free agents. But Yeah, speaking of all those coaches, how the hell is Biennemi not hired yet? If he is there somehow next season when the Broncos are looking for head coach, don't be surprised, Broncos fans. He is a former CU buff. Yeah, I, I think it's the same thing that we saw with Sala last year where he went played so long and they just kept going that not many teams were able to get a good gauge on him and they kind of want – because when you're hiring, how much more of a gauge do you need, though? Holy cow! I would give this dude a ten minute interview and say, "Yep, you're hired. I don't well, care." That's the thing, though, because Andy Reid is obviously very involved with calling yeah. plays and, and designing offensive game plans. So teams want to get get eyes on him, get an interview with the enemy, seeing what he has in store. Because obviously, right now he's got a generational talent at quarterback, the, the fastest and most difficult receiver to tackle in in football. I mean, Nicole and the Hart, best tight end in the NFL right now. Receiving tight end. Yeah, I'm not going to say end, best yeah. tight end because he's he's a border. He's a fat receiver. That's what he is. Yeah. But and, and then just all the speed and everything like that. He's going to have to. None of the situations that he could have got hired in this year was going to be able to give him that right away. So I think that teams are a little bit hesitant that way. Maybe he he does stick around another year, and maybe next year. I mean, maybe the Bengals, because I think Zach Taylor's on thin ice. But I mean, if, if you're a team with a coach on thin ice, if there's a chance you get the enemy again next year, you go for it. I, Especially the Broncos, because like I said, he's a CU buff. He he has ties to the city mm-hmm. or to the state. Why not? If Fangio doesn't work out, he gets too old, and um and and you revamp your offense, say with Deshaun Watson, maybe geez. I don't know, and then bring in the enemy next year. I don't know. That's pretty good. That's a that's a pretty. I mean, we're the second best team in the division. If that happens, Nico's playing Madden franchise mode right now. He's hey, the, hey, the Nets pulled off a trade for James Harden. Anything can happen in the in in any league now. So I'm not worried. And they want more. We'll talk about that later. But the, the, the crazier things have happened. Crazier things have happened. I don't. I don't. I don't know. That that would be something. Um, and this is all. I mean. Clyde Edwards-Lair played again yesterday for the first time in a few weeks since got, he got injured. But really, they had 114 yards rushing, and it's running back by committee again. Oh, Same yeah. thing that we saw with Green Bay two weeks ago. We, we'll get to Green Bay uh, when we talk about the NFC Championship. But I, I don't know. I Even though they lost their other starting left tackle yesterday to an Achilles injury. That, that may hurt them. It may hurt yeah. them, but really, I don't really see it 
obviously Tampa's pass rush pass rush is really good. Shout out Shaq Barrett. Yeah, Shaq Barrett and JPP with his uh, one one and a half hands. (laughs) But I still, it's very difficult, and they that's what yesterday proved to me again. We forget how good the Chiefs are because they're just that good and that consistent. Like I, I thought that the Bills had all the momentum going up nine nothing in the first quarter. I did have I thought it was a funny tweet with the Bills kicker reference from the night. Yeah. If you're old enough to remember the last time the Bills were in the last few times the Bills were in the playoffs, you understand that reference with Scott Norwood and everything like that. But yeah, I think really I tweeted out that the Bills gave up. Honestly, I don't know if if anybody would have done much better at the position they were at this in the situation that they were in. Tyreek Hill had over 100 yards. Travis Kelsey had over 100 yards receiving. First duo in NFL playoff history to have back-to-back 100-yard receiving games. Um, so the, I, honestly, I'll give the Bills a lot of credit. They were 13 and three, which I don't. I mean, I thought they would be good. I thought they would win the NFC East, but I didn't think they or AFC East. I didn't think that they they would go 13 and three. Yeah, like I said, they're not ready yet. This is. It was, it was the Chiefs' division and league to lose. Mm-hmm. It, it, they had There was no business anyone, I'm telling you right now, it did not matter if it was the Ravens, it did not matter if it was the Titans, it did not matter um, who it was to face them in the playoffs. You were just another stepping stone. Mm-hmm. Because I don't I, – I could be eating my words two weeks from now, but this is the best team in football by far. And they're finally getting their defense going, getting together as well. This is, this team is probably better than the team last year. Yeah, and that's tough to say. No, it's really reminiscent of the Cowboys dynasty from the early '90s when they went back to back with Jimmy Johnson, where their offense can just score no matter what, and their defense is good enough that they can shut down people when they need to. Mm-hmm. And that's what we saw yesterday from from the Chiefs. Um, so that I, I'm very intrigued to see what they do if Mahomes is able to get his second ring and steal another one off of Brady's finger. I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk more about that matchup. But let's go to the NFC Championship because I do think we can say this team gave up. The Green Bay Packers. What the hell happened yesterday? Uh, I don't understand. Matt, I'll, I'll say one stat, and I was going to save this for one of our segments because he's my bench warmer of the week. Matt LaFleur is only the second head coach in NFL history to go and lose conference championship games in his first two years. You want to know? What the uh, who the other coach was? Rex Ryan. Yeah, put your foot stuff. in your mouth because it's it's Rex, it's Rex Ryan. Um, God damn it! I mean that they had every single opportunity to get themselves back into the game. I was driving back home, so I was listening to the game. I wasn't actually watching it, but on that sequence to end the first half, where Scotty Miller beats his man deep, how the hell do you let that happen? You're a <laughs> professional football player. I think it was Kevin King. Kevin King. You know the situation. You know they're going to send somebody deep. They just took the time out so that they'd be able to do that. You stand at the back corner of the end zone and make sure nobody gets behind you. It's basically a box out. You're you're trying to get the rebound and knock the ball down just so that you can go down, go into halftime down four points because that, that wasn't even going to get them the lead. I, I will give Scotty Miller a bit of credit because – so what happened there, it was about six seconds left on the game clock, and – the Buccaneers were in field goal range, but not comfortable field goal range. So the original thought was that they're going to get a quick out route. Quick out route, that's what Kevin King was playing. But Scotty Miller, 
I mean, he he was obviously the second option there, but he had a great double move and he blew right by him. That yeah. I mean, that's that's unacceptable. It just it just goes to show why. I mean, imagine if that was a first round pick corner out there, maybe that wouldn't have happened. I mean, we've seen but, what their first round pick at corner does. Jair Alexander's still a freak. He still had a great great game, but I still I mean, that defensive coordinator should get fired for not having his guy playing on the goal line. Yeah, who cares if they throw a quick out route? You're gonna give up give up three. Don't give up seven going into halftime. Give up three, that's fine. It's still a one-score game. But that- the Packers still inch their way back because Aaron Rodgers is the best football or best quarterback in football right now. Yeah. Just It just blows my mind that with two minutes left on the game clock, you tell yourself, you know what? I'm going to give the ball back to Tom Brady. I don't care. Let's just kick the field goal. Let's cover the spread. I don't trust Aaron Rodgers to get a fourth down in the red zone. I don't trust him. Let's kick the field goal, and I trust my defense to stop the greatest quarterback of all time. And a defense. What the who, hell is the thought process on that? The defense who hadn't been playing great up until that point. They've had a few. They oh, had a few God. opportunistic interceptions, but it's not like the defense was shutting down Tampa's offense. Obviously, they scored 31 points, and we, it, the week before we saw Aaron Rodgers convert. A two-yard rush where he, Aaron Rodgers can run. Tom uh, Brady is a statue. That, yeah, that, Aaron Rodgers can move. Yeah, that's another thing. He should have ran on third down. I, we 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 showed that picture because he had an open lane to the end zone. But either way, you still go for it on fourth down. Run the same exact play design. Same thing Andy Reid does with Patrick Mahomes. Roll him to the right. Pump fake. Pump pump fake because we know defensive players aren't as smart as offensive players. You can be two yards past the line of scrimmage and pump fake, and they'll still jump. We we. There were so many different things that they could have done to win that game. Tampa, hats off to them and their defense because Devin White and Levante David studs. played studs. absolutely lights out. And then, you know, they lost Sean Murphy Bunting and, and Antoine Winfield wasn't able to play, and they were still really stout in the secondary. Yes, Aaron Rodgers had a, a little bit of success finding Valdez, Scantling. That's, that's the other thing. Monte Adams, yeah. Like Jalen Ramsey wasn't able to the week before. That's, that's the other thing. If you had Devontae Adams and one other top two round receiver, what does this do to you? And also uh, Lazard also dropping a touchdown in the end zone, literally hit him yeah. off the chest. That was the the two point. Oh no, the Saint Brown was the yeah. two point yeah. conversion. I don't. I don't. There's so many different things. Like I said, like I like I tweet out, the Packers get what they deserve. You draft a quarterback in the first round when you have a Hall of Fame quarterback in his prime. A quarterback who's not even dressing, mind you. Like, Not even the backup. Exactly. This is ridiculous. He didn't. It's 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 just asinine. And obviously, Aaron Rodgers was pissed off too. You took the ball out of his hands. You said, "I trust my defense more than I trust my MVP quarterback, who won you a Super Bowl, who's got you the back-to-back NFC championships." You said, "I trust my defense instead of I trust my Hall of Fame quarterback." And after the after the game, Aaron Rodgers said, "I don't know what my future is." And I honestly, I mean, obviously there's memes going out there saying he'll leave and go to Denver. At, yeah, knock on wood, hopefully. Maybe. I'd rather have that, but that, that's that's pushing daisies. Um, but Aaron Rodgers, he was like, there's a lot of players on this team don't know their future, including myself. Yeah. That's not a, that's not something. He obviously was pissed off all year about Jordan Love. People who were saying, obviously all the um, announcers and commentators and analysts that said, that he he's not using the Jordan Love as uh, motivation. He's only using that as uh, um, get him better for the next thing. You're wrong, because Aaron Rodgers is still a bad man. He's playing the he like I said he played some of the best football he's had his whole career this year. Yeah. And what did this team have to show for him? Nothing. 
Oh, yeah, your first-round pick had a great game. Zero for zero, zero yards, didn't suit up. Um, wore a pretty good hoodie on the sideline, though, looking sick. Lots of high fives. Lots of high fives. Lots of high fives. Yeah. That's Slap hands. First, Slap hands. First-round pick, by the way, instead of Chase Claypool. Um, Justin Jefferson, who was there, so many other people there. Like you said, could take a corner. If you would have took any other position, if it would have just been an O-line or D-line man, I would be like, you know what? I understand that. You take a backup quarterback in the first round, you deserve that loss. And a guy, you deserve like, it. Jordan, I'm pissed off because I wanted Aaron Rodgers another Super Bowl. Yeah, no. Last thing I wanted was another Tom Brady Super Bowl. God damn it, Aaron Rodgers. And now we can actually say that it, that organization's been the reason that he's been held back. It's not Aaron Rodgers not being able to win games. It's the organization around him that doesn't put him in good enough situations yeah. to win. It's not Rodgers. We a lot of us on the Unhinged Sports Network were arguing about this today, whether or not you can say he's the greatest quarterback. I do believe that he's the most talented quarterback until we see what Patrick Mahomes is able to do throughout yeah, his career. I think Patrick Mahomes will he, overtake that he might, eventually. But. but honestly, top two greatest talented quarterback anyways, that's not anything to slouch at, and, and you're wasting him. You wasted him. He, he's been there, like we said, he's 38 years old. He's been there since 2004, and you've gotten one Super Bowl out of him. Same way you wasted Brett Favre, only getting one Super Bowl out of him. It's absolutely... I, there's not a better word than the one that you use. It's asinine. There's there's no fucking excuse for it at all. Get an owner because the fans are the owners of Green Bay. Get a general manager or get a head coach with some fucking balls to put the ball in the hands of your best player. Because let's, let's not forget that their running game was absolutely non-existent. From what we saw against Los Angeles, none of those guys showed up. Aaron Jones got hurt. Uh, yeah, you you basically said that you wanted to get away from that, which mm-hmm. made no sense. You said, oh, you know what? Let's 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 go to our passing game and not do what won us the game last week. No, it it absolutely so makes stupid. no sense. I hope he goes somewhere else. I hope he does. I I if it's not the Broncos, I don't care. I hope he goes to San Francisco. Honestly, I yeah. think that'd be a great story. He goes back to San Francisco where he should have been drafted in the first place way back when. Um, he goes there with that great team. I think that'd be a fantastic story because Green Bay. You don't deserve him at this point. If you, I, I hope that they trade him, and then we see what Jordan Love really is about. Because if he's not worth anything, you really screwed yourself over. I don't even think they have to trade him. I think he might be unrestricted this year. I think this might have been the last year of his contract, or yeah, there's some know. weird – he might have an opt-out clause. Honestly, I kind of want to see him go in division. I want to see him do what Brett Favre did because nobody deserves a crack at the Packers more than Aaron Rodgers does. Sure. And he should be able to play him for two two times a year for however long he's going to continue to play and just absolutely wax them. And I would be so happy. I love the history about Green Bay. I love Coach Lombardi. Obviously, it, it's the namesake of the well, Super yeah, Bowl the trophy. Lam- Lambeau Field as well, one of the most storied but they need a fucking wake-up call quick. Big time. They Big time. they need somebody to smack them in the mouth, which they've had that two years in a row in the NFC Championship game now, and they still aren't learning from it. It's It, it does. They, it just, it yeah. makes your blood run hot thinking about what they did, what they wasted, and what they are continuing to waste. Exactly. They weren't the best team last year. Give them that. The San Francisco 49ers were way better. But this year, you have no no ifs, ands, or buts. You were, you were in the NFC Championship game. You draft a quarterback. You don't give the ball to Aaron Rodgers in the fourth quarter with two minutes left and say, win me the game. Yeah, you don't deserve to move, go on to the Super Bowl. And that pisses me off so much. No, that's exactly what you're hoping for as a head coach. You want to have a quarterback who's that good enough to win you a game. And he is, but they didn't take advantage of it, and it, it didn't show. I mean, even their best players did not get involved yesterday. I think Tunyon had four catches. 
And Devontae Adams, yeah. I think, had six. Give, for... give, give Tunyon the credit of Levante David and Devin White, though. The linebackers did a great job pressing him, pressing him. But Devontae Adams, like you said, no show. No, De- well, After going off against Jalen Ramsey, no show. No, I, I really don't understand. I think I, I said it earlier on in the season, and then they kind of – I said it when they lost to Tampa earlier in the year. They're mentally soft, mm-hmm. and they showed that yesterday. And Tampa Bay – Say what you want about Tom Brady, and I was listening to Devin White on Bustin' with the Boys while I was at work. That's the one thing that he mentioned, that when you have Tom Brady on your team, everybody's moving in the right direction, and that's what you need. That's what you need to be a championship team. And Devin White's a second-year linebacker, has made two of the biggest plays in the last two weeks of the NFL season. The interception against Drew Brees ended Drew Brees' career, which is only ironic because he's a New Orleans boy mm-hmm. and loves Drew Brees. And then he got the fumble recovery and set up I'll call it the game-clinching touchdown, even though Green Bay came back and, and was closing in on a comeback. I, I don't want to take anything away from Tampa Bay, but honestly, this was gifted to them. Yeah, T- Tampa is talented. Don't get me wrong. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk. Um, I forgot even the other white tight end. They didn't have OJ. Cameron Bray. Cameron Bray. He had a great game, too. Mm-hmm. They have the talent there, and obviously Antonio Brown is going to be coming back in two weeks from now, so that should be interesting as well. That's really going to piss me off if he I mean, wins the Super Bowl. I mean, to be fair, Steelers fans should be really pissed off because either Le'Veon Bell or Antonio Brown are going to win a Super Bowl before yeah. the Steelers got even close. That, that was so the that best. should make you happy. Well, that <laughs> really. was the best meme that I saw is Big Ben on the sideline because he's always got a dumbass face on and when you had Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and there's playing for a Super Bowl and I'm surrounded by a bunch of TikTok dancers exactly, and Chase yeah. Claypool because he's not even – Chase Claypool doesn't even dance on TikTok. He does less dancing on TikTok than we do. He just runs his mouth on his Instagram live. Okay, let's let's move on because this is just – T- is- Tampa Bay, though, shout out Tampa Bay because you're having a hell of a year. Lightning – Raising the raising the World Series and now Tampa Buccaneers and you're the hosting Super Bowl. your your the Super Bowl. Yeah, that, I mean first team in NFL history to do. As much as I hate Tom Brady, that's cool. Yeah, no, oh, it's pretty cool, pretty damn cool. They got everything <laughs> they could have wanted and more out of that Tom Brady deal. Let's move on to to UFC because I know we were excited. Who fired about me up, this. Jimmy? What a what a card this was. There's only one decision on the entire main card. I. Uh, we, that hurt we, me, by the way. I, well, had, I had some fights that I picked to go to decision lost me some money, so that's yeah. unfortunate. I didn't pick the last two fights to go to decision, but the la- the first couple I did my, hurt me. My cousin did text me that night, and I didn't get it till later, so if you're listening, Spencer, I, I apologize. But he asked if I thought the main event would go over one and a half rounds, and I did because I thought that it would probably be a third round or, or fourth round. Let's, let's go to the Twitter machine because I did put out a poll earlier this morning talking about all the different things that, that we had to mention. And it, sound, it seems like with 50% of the votes, Poirier's knockout is what the people want to hear about more. So let's yeah. start with the main event. I know that you're, I mean, you're not obviously not upset because Dustin Poirier is a great oh, I'm guy. I'm not upset at all. But it was a disappointing performance from Conor McGregor. It's not on the same level as Ronda Rousey when she came back and fought Amanda Nunes. But, I mean, there was no, he wasn't winning that fight at all. He, he wasn't controlling that fight the way that, that, he has in the past, it was totally different than, than the Cowboy fight one year ago. Yeah, let's let's put it this way. Connor hasn't had a physical UFC fight in over two years. Mm-hmm. There's your problem right there. He took leg kick on leg kick on leg kick. Yeah. This new age of UFC, I love it. I love the leg kick 
because because we are seeing some knockouts right now with dudes are unable to walk out of the ring because constantly just pummeling it and saying, I'm going to chop you down, and then once you can't walk, I'll go up top. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what Poirier did. And, I mean, Connor didn't have a bad fight. He won the first round. Don't get me wrong. He was more active. He was landing more shots. But Dustin just kept going with it. He was more conscious and more aware of saying, I'm not going to get that one punch. Mm-hmm. I will take my shots where I can, and I will pummel you down bit, inch by inch and make sure that I can last five rounds. Connor was out there saying, I'm going to finish this in one and a half rounds. That was, and he fought like that. Yeah. Second round, he, he was getting pummeled. Pummeled, pummeled, pummeled. And like I said, I'm not, he's been boxing for two years. I'm not gonna, I, As much as I love Cowboy, I'm not counting the Cowboy fight because he pummeled him. It wasn't even close. But he hasn't had a real test since Habib. He hasn't fought a real MMA fight where he, where another kickboxer, not just boxer, kickboxer, will hit you from everywhere. doesn't matter where it comes from. And he will break you down. And Poirier, man... What a murder's row of wins he's had. Well, he, his, his resume includes Max Holloway twice, mm-hmm. Conor McGregor, Justin Gaethje, um, Tony Ferguson. He has fought every single contender out of this division. Dan Hooker, too. Dan Hooker beat Dan Hooker. The only person he's lost to really handily was Habib. And Habib's one of the goats for a reason. Yeah. Um, but Poirier, man. He already had a Hall of Fame career. You and I have known about him for years now, so this isn't a surprise to us. No. It's just a surprise to all the fans that just got into MMA because Connor is the holier-than-himself, bigger-than-the-life person, but Poi is no slouch at all. I, I mean, I literally tweeted it. Five minutes before the fight, I said, Poirier is a bad man, too. Don't you forget, as much as hype as Connor has, Poirier is a bad man. No, this fight had even more. I mean, it had the hype from the previous fight that they had at, at featherweight early on in both of their careers. But this one just felt different because Poirier had been there now. He looks so much better at lightweight than he ever did oh, at featherweight. Yeah. But the best way that I can describe those leg kicks, if you've ever been Charlie Horse, do you understand? Because it doesn't take much. Yeah. A, a hit to the thigh is debilitating, and it doesn't take much. When you're getting a full-on kick from a guy who's been training that and, and doing it, it's like what Mick used to tell Rocky and just work the body, chop him down, and then you're going to go up top. It's, it's what he what he had to do, and, and Connor couldn't walk. I mean, Connor yeah, showed – He had a crutch. Yeah, and they, they showed a little – I mean, hats off to Connor. He is a little bit more respectful and, and everything like that now, winning and shook Dustin's hand, said, I'd love to have a trilogy fight with you. Uh, and we can talk – we'll talk about that after we talk about the, the co-main event. But you, you could tell, like, he was not – he was not prepared for that. It was almost like Ace Ventura when he was looking for the dolphin and there was a shark in the shark tank. That's not Snowflake. That's not Snowflake. He, he came into this fight expecting this to be Cowboy Cerrone again. And I'll tell you right now, Cowboy Cerrone five years ago, maybe. maybe. Um, but Cowboy Cerrone, what he was last year, no. Uh, him and Poirier, night and day between the two. Like yeah. I said, Poirier is only one or two fights from from facing a champion and having the interim belt, mm-hmm. this is no slouch anymore. This ain't, I gotta, I can walk over my opponent. You're a lightweight now, buddy. At featherweight, you can knock people out with a chin very easily. At lightweight, these dudes hit harder, kick harder, are much stronger. I mean, Poirier, what a fucking animal he is, man. I am so I'm I'm so happy for him. There's a lot of fun matchups for him too. Um, we'll talk about that after the co-main event, but he had some interesting post-game comments too. Yeah, and let's move to the co-main because honestly, I was hoping that was what was going to win the the poll. 
But that was a flawless UFC oh, debut. Ha- the the knockout in the first round, the promo afterwards, the backflip off the cage, that was a little bit iffy. Oh, Dana he, White was pissed about that, He too. almost didn't stick it, but he, he he didn't fall over, so I guess you can count it. I wouldn't be able to do that, I mean, obviously. But I think that might be one of the best UFC debuts we've seen in a long, oh, long time. Oh, 100%. When Dana was questioned after the fight, he was like, is this the best debut you've ever seen from a new UFC fighter? And he said, without a doubt, yes. And I think the only thing that's argumented against it was the Anderson Silva. Um, when he finally came over a long time ago, UFC fans now don't even know about that. Beat but, up Chris Lieben, who also used to be a killer. Yeah, so that that was so that's probably up there with that. But Mike Chandler, man, you and I hit it on the bun. We knew what was going to happen. We knew about Mike Chandler, the fighter he is, the attitude, the sh- Raw strength he has. Oh, he's so he's a powerhouse. Oh my god, at, he, at, at lightweight, he doesn't look like he should weigh 155 pounds. Oh, Luckily, he's only like five six, so it, it makes yeah. sense. But he is a thick 155 pounds, and it showed every bit of his weight was in that right hand that he put Dan Hooker out with. Yeah, he he was a saving grace. I went even on the weekend. I lost money on football Sunday, but <laughs> on UFC he made me even because I got back to even by. Picking him to KO in yep. the first round. I won so much money off him. I was so hyped up when he won. Um, the dude has so much power. Like, how like, the fuck did his line end at plus one twenty five? That was ridiculous. I I knew I said it when we when we had Rev on. I was like, this is ridiculous. This is so disrespectful at plus one twenty five. Oh my god, the the hype train of Dan Hooker way too big. Hype train way yeah, too big. I mean, it got derailed. That's, derailed. When we were talking about when, because you had it in our beats of the week last week before Rev came on, I said that Dan Hooker seems like he gets he's a little bit inflated. He's had some great fights. That Poirier fight was an absolute yeah, he, war. He can fight good fights, but he's not he's not going to win those good fights. He'll I put I, on a good show, but he can't finish. I knew that he was overhyped be based on the Paul Felder fight because that was a great fight, great, very entertaining. But Paul Felder's not in the same class yeah. as Michael Chandler or Dustin Poirier or even Conor McGregor. Or Justin Gaethje. Even. Yeah, those those guys are, are on a different lane for a reason. And, and he got absolutely bullied and did what he likes to do to other people where he goes out and gets on them quick with his kickboxing. Michael Chandler said, you know what, F your kickboxing, here's a right hand from Missouri, and I'm going to put you out with it and then beat the crap out of you. And then cut one of the best, cut a promo that would make Vince Rick, McMahon blush. And Ric Flair happy. Oh, man. Woo! He was, he was quoting Ric Flair. He was enjoying life, man. His post-game press conference, too. He was, I mean, he was all over it, too, man. He, he, the UFC right now, lightweight division, like we said, is there's a lot of fun matchups. And Michael Chandler right now is at the head of the table. Mm-hmm. He is right there, and deservedly so. And thank God he finally um, made the other MMA promotions look better. Because, like we said, Ben Askren put a sore in the side of, of all the other promotions. And now Michael Chandler can pr- it has proved that UFC isn't the only top dog, that there's other great fighters around the world. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, mean, I think that was great for him. Now let's talk about what happens next for the lightweight division because we kind of mentioned a few things, a few possibilities when Rev was on for our bonus show. Go back and listen to that and, and hear how dumbass – how, how much of dumbasses we were going into not this weekend. Not on the Mike Chandler stuff. No, not on the Mike Chandler yeah. stuff, but everything else. Yeah. Uh, actually, let's, I, I guess, do you have those picks, or do you remember what picks? We, we all three, I think, missed the Hebus fight. She got KO'd yeah, uh, she, in the second she round. She got too. We, we all had Calderwood, so we had that yeah. correct. So. And I'm not going to count the second fight because Ottman was out. I can't yeah, remember he, why. He, he, uh, he got caught sneaking a girl into the uh, um, hotel, Ooh. and he's no longer in the UFC. Oh. <laughs> so he got 
he didn't just get kicked from the card. He got kicked, kicked out of the out of the company. So Damn. that man, we'll never see him again. So the son's got to run a train on some broad, and he gets kicked off, kicked <laughs> yeah. out of the organization. Oh, jeez. I'm sorry, mom. You're gonna listen. Yeah, to that. yeah. That's, he, that's he, a little he, bit rough. He, he got a he got the boot, big boot. He Damn. didn't just get off the card. He got Damn. out of the organization. So yeah, I mean, definitely go back and, and listen because Rev is always a fun time, especially when you're talking about MMA. But now what? Now what do we do with the lightweight division? Because it's still a vacant title. Mm-hmm. Khabib, whether or not he comes back, do you think that he comes back now that seeing no, what happened with no, Connor? No shot. No shot at all. I mean. I go. I keep going back to the post game press conference because I did watch it in depth. And Dana White said, he, he, between the last fight finishing and the press conference, the only person he had a conversation with was Habib. And Habib, Habib said, Dana, is there anyone here that you think can beat me, and has it can touch me at all? And Dana said, No. And I honestly, unless Michael Chandler can can lay off some wins and continue to do this, I agree. I'm I'm gonna agree. I don't think Poirier can touch him. I don't think Gaethje obviously couldn't touch him. No. Connor's gonna get his ass kicked again by him. Mike Chandler is the only person that's a big what if. Oliveira is a great up and comer, but he's not there yet. No, Oliveira um, should not should not get so, a fight against Khabib so, for a while. So so the only person I'd say is Michael Chandler because of the Bellator side. I mean, it was also crazy that they said Bellator in the in the in the or the um, introductions. They said, previous Bellator lightweight champion. I was like, whoa, they just said Bellator? They just said Bellator. I was like, holy shit. They just said Bellator. Oh, my God. For for people out there that – great reference. It's like WWE referencing AEW. It's like it's just not – you can't say it. It It doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, But the one thing with with this going forward, Poya said Mike Chandler doesn't deserve a shot. I will argue against that and say he's won in other companies and he's won against good fighters. I do think there's other possibilities around this. The one thing I want more than anything is I want a ladder. Yeah. I want I want a a, t- a, fo- a forward or a top four, um, basically tur- mini tournament. I want. Since Poirier already said my next fight, I guarantee my next fight isn't against Mike Chandler. I say let's let's do Poirier versus Gaethje again. Have them rematch again. And then on the other side, have Oliveira versus Mike Chandler. Have those two winners face off for the belt. Is, I think that's the best way to do it um, because obviously Connor doesn't deserve to be in the picture. Oliveira's an up-and-comer. Gaethje deserves another shot. So why not give Poirier, coming off a huge win, a fight against Gaethje and then set that up all. That all up. Um, yeah. The only thing that would differ that is because Gaethje has been rumored to have a fight with Oliver set up. It, right now it says TBD. I I was bringing that up. I was hesitant when you were saying that because when I was looking, when we had Rev on, it w- did say that Gaethje and Oliveira were going to fight, but now everything is to be determined. Yeah, I, I mean, I would love to have Gaethje and Oliveira fight and then Mike Chandler and Poirier fight and then the winners face off of the title. I mean, or we just have... Mike Chandler versus Poirier for the title interim or the vacant title, which I wouldn't mind at all. Um, yeah, it but could be. either way, you have to include all four of these guys somehow. There, there's, there's a way to go around it somehow. And matching, honestly, ugh, I mean, I, I love the matchups all around. I, I can't go wrong. I wouldn't be mad either way. Every I, single lightweight fight for the next few years is going to be must-watch TV. Exactly. So I don't really care how they set it up. Um, I would just prefer to like a ladder or a tournament because I like tournament-style stuff. I think they're Let's sick. Let's do it Pride-style and have all four guys fight oh. two fights at one oh, night. Oh, God. I don't know about that. But um, that, uh, that'd, be, that I mean, that'd be some high-quality entertainment. They would have to get rid of USADA because the only reason those guys in Pride were able to fight three times a night was because 
because they're urine tests. Yeah. I've heard a few UFC fighters, so I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. And it was on Joe Rogan's podcast, but they would go pee in the cup and then they would go put it on the table. And they're like, you need me to write my name on it or anything? It's like, no, we don't check these. Actually, we just have to show that you guys peed in the cup yeah. to make sure that make sure that this was legit, quote unquote. Um, no, I think Oliveira. If Poirier doesn't want to fight Michael Chandler first, that's fine. Poirier, Oliveira, and then we have the possibility of maybe seeing Oliveira upset him, which would really put Damn. a damper that, on Poirier. That, I mean, that put a lot of hype on Oliveira, though. Oh, it That'd would. Be, that, you could create a new star with there. Oh, no, that's uh, honestly. The, it's, it's a win-win situation if you're Dana White. Let's put that out there, first of all. It doesn't yeah. matter how it ends out. You have four new stars. Dana's in a good spot. I would be hesitant if I was any one of these four guys as saying I don't want to fight this other person for any reason because that, that honestly I really don't th- see one of those four. It, there's not like a Khabib out of those four. Yeah. There's not a guy who's going to dominate the other three. Any any of the top four contenders at the lightweight division, Charles Oliveira, Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, or Michael Chandler can all beat each other on any given night. So I, I would just keep my mouth shut. Whoever Dana tells me I'm going to fight, Prepare for that, but prepare to fight all four guys or all the other three guys because that's what's going to happen at some point. If you if you're really in this for the title and you really want to be the best at this division, you got to prepare to fight those other three guys and and see who shakes out. But I think it, it was a great weekend overall for the UFC. Again, it was a huge successful pay per view and and super exciting. And and that these are good these are the good cards to have the exciting fights on because. Conor McGregor brings in the casual MMA fan, not guys like you, Rev and I, where we watch this and breathe. We watch every fight, night, every, every single Saturday thing. Night. I watch Food Truck Diaries with all these guys and Brendan Schaub stuff in their face and, and all that kind of Dana stuff. White looking for a fight on YouTube and all that good stuff. Yeah, so the, it, this was good because then you got people who don't know about the sport seeing all this excitement and possibly sticking around. Because honestly, that's what I remember. It was the what, what got me into MMA was the Stephen Bonner Forrest Griffin fight where. It was happened to be on cable TV. They beat the crap out of each other. It was really exciting, and I wanted to continue to watch that. So this was good for them. Yeah, one more thing about the lightweight division, too. It's it's a completely night and day what's with the light heavyweight division. Because with – so the the comparison here is Habib retiring and then John Jones leaving mm-hmm. or going to the heavyweight division. Light heavyweight division, there's – you don't – like. They're not. There's no contenders really. You have Dominic That's... Reyes, who was supposed to dominate the division, get his ass whooped by Blahovich, and now Blahovich honestly is. I, I think he's the underdog against Adesanya, and oh, Adesanya yeah. might go up and be be the 205 champion. Again. I think Adesanya is gonna kick his ass. Yeah. So that lie. that that's just a whole lot of big problems there. But with Habib leaving, you just open the door for so many great fighters mm-hmm. and so many worthy opponents too. Um, and there's there's a lot of great fights going forward. I'm so damn excited for 2021 and the UFC and what they what they're going to continue to produce because also Miocic and Ngannou was confirmed, so that's going to be fun too. God damn, what a Miocic what, and there's Ngannou be a too. lot more UFC talk. I'll tell you that. Ooh, Jokic and or Miocic and Ngannou too Jokic, is going to be. You think about Jokic getting oh, in the ring? <laughs> no, there's just so many itches. Oches, and, yeah. Uh, I can't even keep up anymore. But that was a huge weekend. Let's quickly. Talk about some uh, NBA and NHL before we uh, take a quick break and, and hear a word from some of our sponsors. I have a few questions because I was I started listening to the reserves, trying to get my basketball knowledge up. If I ever want to be invited on three in the key, I got to get my basketball knowledge up. And they they brought up an interesting point. What do you think is causing these next wave superstars that we saw kind of emerge in the bubble? The Donovan Mitchells, the Jamal Murrays, uh, you know, the Devin Booker's. They're struggling this season. It's not like we 
we were all expecting them to have the bubble success and then come into the season and carry that over, become the guys on their team. What do you think's holding them back just so far? It's early on in the season still, but what what's kind of not let them, let them take that next step? Yeah, the way the way I see it is with, with those three guys you said, I'll give Don Mitchell credit. He's played pretty well. Um, that Jazz team is playing very well, so he's kind of an outlier there. But all those guys were are very young still, all under 25, all great studs in the future. Um, they have great upside. Um, going back to the bubble, it was AAU style. It was everybody's in the same gym against each other. You have your opponents watching each other. You only got your parents there, which, I mean, they only had family, like close family members there. It's, it was literally AAU style. And that Jamal Murray, Devin Booker, and Don Mitchell all did that together, and it's all still fresh in their mind. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why they were able to take over the way they were. Um, when it comes getting back to the real world and, pl- and having to travel and having to take care of your body um, in multiple cities and doing different things, that's where they're still young guns. That's where they're still trying to feel things out because in the bubble, they went back and forth to their hotel room to the arena, and then they had their treatment in the same place. Mm-hmm. Now, when you go on the road, have to go to these different cities, have home games now and then, have home stands, have have road trips, whatever it may be, you have to figure out different ways to recuperate your body and still get intact to the game. And that's where these young guys still are struggling with it. I mean, people like LeBron James, he's been doing this for fucking 18 years now. Yeah. And that bubble was just an accident. Or, or excuse me, an added bonus because he didn't have to travel, but he knows now how to get his body in tune with everything and, and be able to travel and wear and tear on your body and still treat with that. And Jamal Murray, he's had injury problems. He's had shoulder problems recently. And Devin Booker and Devon Mitchell are still young. All these guys are we're talking about are under 25 years old. They yeah. still have the upside. Um, they just have to get not accustomed to the game, but a cut re, re back into the form of playing an 82 game season. I know it's 72 this year, but 82 game season and traveling and going city city and doing the right things with your body um, to do that. Yeah. It was basically what, what you're saying is that the bubble favored the young player, yeah. obviously, and it didn't favor a player like Paul George for, for the Clippers. Speaking of the Clippers, that brings up my next question. They're tied with the Lakers for t- first in the in the West right now. Like we said, it's still very early on in the season, and the Clippers are notoriously a regular season team. Do you see anything different about this Clippers team that maybe we see them move into the playoffs, or is, are we getting set up for another collapse? No, no shot. The only thing that may change my mind is that we may finally get an L.A. Western Conference Finals, but Lakers in four. No shot this Clippers team has anything, any, any, any whereabouts of it all. Patrick Beverly is your starting point guard. So, so, I'll give Serge Ibaka and Luke Kennard credit. Their their offseason signings were better than people thought. But you have no one still to guard Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. You have no one to stop. I mean, Kawhi, you can throw Kawhi on LeBron. But Kawhi can't guard AD. And Paul George sure as hell can't either. Um, so the Clippers, it's cool. You want a blue ribbon? Get. I mean, you may get to the Western Conference Finals for the first time. But Lakers at four. No, no shot this Clippers team is going to make it past them. By the way, as I was looking at the standings, I just saw a little blurb. Uh, Jamal Murray was ejected tonight for hitting uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. in the nuts. Oh, well, so he mean, got. As oh, we're damn. recording this Monday night, and, and we might have to mention that when we go live on Colorcast. But yeah, he, he got kicked out of the game for a groin shot. So uh, I think they won still. I think that they were able to come back and win, and and now they've moved themselves up into the fifth spot in the West at ten and seven. But that. I will say one more thing also because I am looking at my phone. Michael Bird Jr. is back, ladies and gentlemen. 30 points and hits the dagger to beat the Mavericks. 
I'll tell you what. Uh, let's talk about the Nuggets for a second because the last three games, I'll clip the game on Monday night, even though I didn't watch it. The Suns, the last two Suns games, um, going into Phoenix against that team that has been playing very well and getting two gritty overtime wins is huge for the momentum. You're now back to two games over 500, maybe even three now. I'm not entirely sure. They're three. Three now after the win tonight. And the Nuggets team are finally getting to form, man. I, I'll tell you right now, the second most consistent player for the Nuggets right now, Monte Morris. Monte Morris has been playing outstanding. Yeah. He, I am so, so happy the Nuggets re-signed him to three- or four-year deal because he has been so good. Jamal Murray's been hot and cold, but I can guarantee Monte Morris is going to get 12, 12 points, 10 assists a night, and not turn over the ball. And that's exactly what you need from your second year. And Jokic, man, he's player of the week. and he, he was offensive player of the week or month, I think. I don't know, whatever. What, I think it was player it was. of the week. Player of the week alongside Embiid. As much as shit as I give Embiid, he has been playing outstanding. But I'm so excited to see this game keep progressing because or you're, or two, like, the Rockets traded their center away not too long ago, and they said the big man game is gone. Well, Jokic and Embiid said, I beg to differ. No, I beg to differ. They this, did. We're still here dominating the game. And I love seeing big man dominate, especially Jokic, what he's done so far. And they play the game in totally different ways. It's not like, I mean, Jokic, he's not comfortable along the three-point line, but he can play a little bit out in space. I, I, I'll be honest, I haven't watched too much of Embiid play, but he seems more of like the down and dirty, um, almost like the Lampier from from the 90s Bulls. Or, Bill Lambert, yes. yeah. I mean, he, he, I'll tell you right now, he's a lot more skilled than Bill Well, Lambert. I mean, yeah, but, obviously, but he's he's a big body and he yeah. can kind of fight underneath the hoop. I don't – Jokic could, but he, that's definitely not his game, especially coming from the European style. I mean, this is a stretch, but um, another a player that reminds me a little bit above him, he's not the type of player yet, but is, a, is a Hakeem Olajuwon. I mean, Hakeem had that mid-range game where he could dominate in the post, but he had all those great post moves, mm-hmm. and Embiid has that now, and his defense and rebounding are there, like Olajuwon was. Olajuwon's was. Um, he's not his level yet. Maybe he will be one day. I don't I don't know about that because Hakeem is top 10 all time. Um, but Embiid is playing very well, so I will give him credit where credit's due. Lots of basketball coming up. Be sure to tune in on Friday. We're going to be doing the Nuggets game on ColorCast iOS only. Use the link in our bio because that helps out the Unhinged Sports Network. You have to download the app if you have an iPhone through that bio. Otherwise, I mean, yeah, it's great that you're downloading the ColorCast app, but if you're listening to this, you want to help out the Unhinged Sports Network, help out us as well from the far end of the bench. Jimmy needs a new Bengals jersey, ladies and gentlemen. I do. They get, they're getting new ones. I, I need a new Bengals jersey, that's <laughs> and, for sure. And we, we need to help them out with by using those fanatic stuff and the FUBU stuff. So be, be sure to get on, on top of all that. All of our sponsors are in our bio at FEOTB Pod. Shameless plug. Uh, we schooled Jonah in that a couple episodes ago. Yeah. Shameless plug. That's what podcasts are for. Real quickly. Another shameless plug. Jonah Mitchell. Go check him out. Yeah. Go follow him <laughs> and then and tell him that you listen to the episode. You can get some free training. But hockey. Let's talk about it. The Avalanche. Bad loss when we're recording this the night before against Anaheim. 3-1 loss. Um, John Gibson played out his mind. Oh, it, no. And that it was, seems like whoever the Avs play, their goalie is going to have the night of their lives. That, that, that brings me to my question because they have ran into a lot of goalies with hot hands. Bennington from the first night. The Ducks should not be anywhere close to competing with the Avalanche. Do you think that the constant – because they got a lot of pressure, but the goalies doing cartwheels in the crease doesn't really help. Do you think that this constant pressure is going to break away at some point? We're going to start seeing these eight – six, seven, eight goal games, or, or at least four. Because honestly, the Avalanche are skilled offensively enough to have four goals a night. 
That shouldn't be a question. That should just be, hey, we're going to show up. We got four in the bag. And then depending on what happens throughout the rest of the game, if Grubauer's not playing well, we can get more. Do you think that this constant pressure, do you think that we're banging our head up against the cement wall, or do you think it's about to crack and we're about to break through? Everyone, let's 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 take what the NFC championship quarterback had to say. R-E-L-A-X. Cause reminder, the Nuggets had this shit start too. And look what we're doing now. So, like I said, it's begin there was no preseason. Let's let's remind all that. No preseason. Oh, actually there might have been one or two games. No, there was no preseason. Okay, either way, no preseason. You get thrown into games right away. I mean, let, let's let's put this out there too. The Ian Cole trade that that happened the day after we we recorded last week, mm-hmm. and I think it's a great deal because obviously Byram is 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 going to step into that role, and I loved watching him in the World Junior, so I think that's going to be a lot of fun. But going forward, everyone just relax. We're still trying to figure everything out. Get EJ back fully healthy because that's going to be huge on defense. Please event. God, get EJ. Please back. God, get EJ back. Um, I'm not too worried. One thing that's going to be our downfall is the goalie situation. Grubauer has played well when he's been playing. I'll give him that. But the backup, Francois, has been hurt. So Miska, uh, has, who's from the Colorado Eagles, has been playing, and that's been hurting us a lot. Um, we just got to get consistency. And what Grubauer showed me so far has been good. Mm-hmm. So I won't, I won't doubt on that. Um, what he showed me so far has been great. But we got to have consistency at the one-two punch. And Francois being hurt does not help. No, and I think – I'll I'll give them so far that this was kind of like their preseason games. It's six yeah. games in, but you're going to start coming up on these back-to-back and then back-to-back-to-back-to-back nights because they go San Jose uh, Tuesday and Thursday next week. Or actually, this, this two, they're playing San Jose Tuesday, so the day before you're listening to this, and Thursday, so the day that our YouTube comes out, shameless plug once again. And then they go Minnesota Saturday, Sunday, and then Minnesota again next week, Tuesday and Thursday. And that's an eight-point swing on a team that's surprising the hell out of everybody in your division. You got to start picking up points. At least, I don't want to see overtime wins or losses. But at some point, with some of these back-to-backs, you're going to have to steal one or two, steal one point. Hopefully, you get two. But you can't lose three out of four of these back-to-back nights because that's a six-point swing, and you don't have enough games to make that back up. Now you used to yeah. in a normal season, you would. With a 52-game season or whatever they're playing this year? Yeah, 56 maybe. I'm not you got to make sure that you start picking up points. As a team, you got to make sure that you're hanging up there because, honestly, you should be the top of this division. But when it's all said and done, at least be top two. Maybe I'll give you Vegas, but you got to be above Minnesota and St. Louis or when you go into the playoffs, you're going to have the same odds stacked against you that it seems like the Avalanche always have where they're, they're the scrappy underdogs. And this year, this was the year that they weren't supposed to be. I want them to take that next step. I'm going to be devil's advocate. I'd rather be a scrappy underdog at this point. I mean, at this point, it's two months from now, I'm probably going to be saying I'm glad we were a lower seed because, I mean, unless things change in the world and we get to have home fans, it won't matter in the playoffs. So unless things change along those lines, playoffs don't matter, home, home ice advantage, only travel restrictions, that's the only problem. But – when when it comes to the abs, you just gotta be sticked around. You gotta be around the top. You got you. It's you don't have to be number one. I won't say that you don't have to be number one because it's almost honestly, it's almost better to not be number one. Outside of Tampa last year, the number one seeds have struggled a lot in the playoffs going forward. Um, so I would almost rather not be the number one seed. Maybe number two or number three. We'll ever along those lines. Um, but either way, abs just have to be at the top of the table, not 
in the middle where you're having to grind your way to the top. Yeah. I think is if you're still near the top and around the top three, then you'll just be fine. We just have to – we have such high expectations of this team. We have to relax a little bit because we are – got to remember, these guys are – we have a lot of young guys too because our defense is going to be headed by Makar, who's only in his third year, and it's going to be our Grubauer, who's only his second full year as a – full-time starter because he was a backup for most of his career. Mm-hmm. And then Byram is going to be thrown into the picture too. So we got to relax a little bit, figure everything out. Cause like I said, no preseason Brandon Saad hasn't gotten to form yet. Donsko was hurt last year. Kadri has been struggling to start. Burkowski has been hot and cold. There's a lot of things that go into play. Like I said, it's preseason. Just have to get everything going together. Um, I'm not. I'm not worried at all. I just. I just. I know this team will be at the top, near the top. If we're not number one seed, I'll be fine with that. I'd rather not win the the. I don't want to win the president. Yeah, I'd rather not win the president's trophy. Good so. thing about this start is I don't think we're winning <laughs> yes. the president's trophy. So I'd rather not win that. Tro- win that. So I'm. I'm. I'm good with that. No, I. I would like to comfortably make the playoffs. Like, at least. Two to three seed, not have to fight for the fourth seed to, to scrap your way in, because yeah. I think that did take a toll on the Avs last year, and then obviously the injury bug. So, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll continue to be reserved. It's tough, especially when I have to go on two for chirping with Ken and Trevor, and and I'm sure I'm going to get a ration, ration of shit for what they did this past week. But just keep pushing. I, I do think that they have the right pieces, and Taves Taves has a hell of a shot. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing that I've learned. And then Makar, obviously very skilled offensively, and. And now let's see what the young guy can do. But McKinnon and Burakovsky and Landeskog and Rantanen are all all going to be good there offensively. Uh, and, and we were in a good place. So Yeah, there's a lot of good talent. The other thing out of the NHL was the line A trade. Patrick Line to Columbus. I think it's a terrible fit for him. I mean, you'll probably talk about that trade more on two for chirping this upcoming week. But I think it's a terrible trade for Columbus. If you're... Winnipeg, you do get a little bit better having Luke Dubois because Line has been disgruntled. Um, but I don't know how much better that will make you as a team. Um, and I don't know how much lo- how much longer Line will last in Columbus with Torts as the John Tortorella as head coach because that's a that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, no, we've been talking about the Pierre Luke Dubois situation the whole time, and he wanted out. So I think that Columbus is better getting rid of him because he was a cancer in the locker room. Um, but I, I really don't know how that trade's going to play out on the ice. Mm-hmm. We'll talk more about hockey. Listen to Two for Chirping Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern this week, and, and you'll hear more about that. You can also catch it the following week on Sunday on the Bleacher Connection um, RSS feed. But we're going to take a quick break. You'll hear a message from our sponsors or partners at the Unhinged Sports Network, and we'll be back and finish out with our ending of the season NFL awards and our ending show segments. You're listening to the far end of the bench here on the Unhinged Sports Network. What's up, bench warmers of the Unhinged Sports Network? Jimmy Pilato, Nico Bryant, and we got some more things to talk to you about because, yes, you can't get anything for Christmas at this point on Fanatics, but it doesn't mean that it's too late to go get your favorite sports fan a new thing to add to his add to his collection. Whatever you want, jerseys, shirts, coasters. I'm pretty sure I saw stickers on there. You, you can still get anything through the link in our bio for Fanatics. It helps out the Unhinged Sports Network as a whole. There is a lot of good stuff. I mean, the, the SEC Championship gear, ACC Championship gear. Big and time. by this time, you'll probably still be listening to, you'll maybe see National Championship gear, Rose Bowl gear, whatever it may be. Anything you want. Literally, literally anything. And you will you can find it on Fanatics, man. Use the link. Make sure to hit the link in our link tree um, that's in all of our bios, man. Because all that stuff is going to be fantastic. Got to use the link, though. Have to use the link. At FEOTB Pod, all social medias. Go get you some new stuff from Fanatics. Help out the Unhinged Sports Network. Thanks, guys.
What's up, bench warmers? Thank you guys for sitting through those those partnership breaks. Great partners, Fubo TV. Uh, I know hockey's got a lot of blackouts going on right now. Hockey TV deal is not good. Fubo TV might not be present there. Like we said, can't speak for certain, but uh, I was looking today and they got tons of different channels and everything like that to choose from. Obviously, Fanatics, especially with Super Bowl and, and championship games happening. If you're a Chiefs fan, I don't know why you listen to this podcast because all we do is trash trash the a- other, every other team in the AFC West besides the Broncos. But you can go get some AFC championship gear, some Super Bowl gear. Some NFC gear. I'm sure that they're going to make some sweet – if Tampa ends up winning the Super Bowl in Tampa, they're going to have some sweet merch. I might even have to cop me one of those. I don't know about co- – I, I won't cop one of those, but I'll – I'll tell people to cop one of those. That's, that's, that's why I'll, I'll do that because I will never get a Tom Brady merchandise. I'm no, sorry. I'm not getting Tom. It would be Devin White. It wouldn't okay, be Tom that's Brady. That's fair. That's fair. Or or maybe Tristan Wirfs. I'll, I'll get a Shaq Bear or something. How about that? There you go. A guy who should still be on the, Bron- on the Broncos. Yeah, very well. We, uh, don't, get, don't remind me, Jimmy. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead. We got the FEOTB First Annual NFL Season Awards, Postseason Awards. Uh, so we got different categories and everything like that we're going to talk about. We'll start with just overall MVP. So it could be offense, could be defense. Uh, I'll let you start because I don't we didn't we don't know who each other are picking in this one. I could be the same, could be totally different. So I'll let you start with uh, uh, for, overall MVP. For me for I mean I it's very easy for me for this one. It's Aaron Rodgers. My my MVP this year is Aaron Rodgers. He's had a fantastic season top to bottom, one of the best seasons of his career. And year, I mean, I don't even know what year seventeen now, eighteen, uh, sixteen. I don't know. I don't know exact number. Fourteen. I don't know. Two thousand four to twenty twenty one. Sixteen. There we go. There's good math. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe the number is a little bit skewed either way. But Aaron Rodgers had a great year. Um, he put up fantastic numbers. He he made Devontae Adams look damn good. And what he was able to do with the talent he had around him, which wasn't great. I mean, he's he's my MVP for sure. Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are honorable mentions. Um, but what Aaron Rodgers did this year alone deserves MVP 100%. Oh, yeah. He turned Bobby Tonyan into a top three uh, tight end. Yep. So I, I think that there's a lot to be said about what he did this year. Mine is Josh Allen just because I didn't want to – I, I had a feeling you're gonna go this direction. Yeah. I had a, a feeling you're man. gonna you're gonna go with the bad man, the 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 baby goat. We won't call him the goat, but the baby goat. Go, yeah. um, I'm going Josh Allen. Speaking of baby goats, I I really love you know he's he's an interesting case because he he can run and everything like that, but. Dude's got a hell of an arm. Did you see that? I mean, he got knocked out of bounds. Oh, but as I, he was oh, falling, know, yeah. he, he threw it four yards out of the back of the end zone. Like he threw it forty yards down the field while he was falling. It, I knew the dude had a great arm. Yeah, that's one of the things everyone loved out of his draft stock was that he has this such a great arm. Oh, it's incredible. It's it's the best one that I ever I've ever seen, and that's saying a lot. Um, I think a year or two from now, I think he's the MVP soon. I don't think it's this year, but over like MVP award award, like winner, I think he, he'll be one or two, either next year or the year after. I'm just trying to be smart and get it a get few years time, early. Time, so then yeah. when he is the MVP, I could be like, told you so. Told you so. Told yep. you so. Uh, all right, so you have Aaron Rodgers for your overall MVP. I have Josh Allen. Next one, Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, I guess I'll uh, – I don't know what the difference is between overall MVP and offensive player of the year, other than this one can't be defense. Uh, mine's Deshaun Watson, 4,800 yards passing. Uh, and just, I, I hope to uh, he's going to get out of Houston. I hope that he goes to a place that will utilize him correctly. <laughs> Broncos. <laughs> Sorry. I, I wouldn't agree with that. I would say the Jets, because I, I'd like to see my brother happy for a football season for once. Um, but 
Let's see. Jimmy has to wait on, will my brother be happy for a season or will my co-host be happy for a season? I don't know. We talked about it on the episode with Jonah. You're basically my podcast husband. <laughs> so, yeah, that's there's a lot of things going into this, but almost 5,000 yards passing on a team where he had his best receiver got popped for steroids halfway through. That's incredible. I don't. Thankfully, he'll get out of that terrible dumpster fire that is the Houston Texans organization right now, and then we'll get to see his full potential because I don't think we're seeing his full potential yet. He's the magician. He's doing things that are crazy, but if he's on a team that will utilize him in the right way, I, I the sky's the limit. Yeah, we, we haven't seen Deshaun Watson full form. Nope. Um, with me, I went a little bit different direction, a person that not many people are in consideration for Offensive Player of the Year, but I think deserves it so much. And that person is Travis Kelsey. We, are, we have seen one of the craziest offensive performances by a tight end in history, in the history of the NFL. His numbers this year have been outstanding. Like we said, he leads the league. It's either in receiving He was yards, second in receiving second yards. Second in receiving he yards. He was leading it for a while, and then Stephon Diggs overtook him, but he was almost the first tight end to finish number one in receiving that yards. That is absolutely insane what he was able to do. And like we said, he, he he's, the, he's the best receiver from a tight end in the league right now. Maybe not. I mean, he's obviously one or two for best tight end in the he's league. He's getting better at his He's getting blocking, better at blocking. But Travis Kelsey, man, what a year he has put on. On a show every single week, and I hope to God. I mean, as a Broncos fans, I hope they break up. But if if Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, their career should be tied together like Gronk and Brady were, because yep. these two man, what what a performance they put on every week. Patrick Mahomes just makes it look easy. What Kelsey Kelsey does, he is a pulverizing figure and huge human being running routes at like ease and putting your best corners on skates. Yeah. So it could be Travis Kelsey for my offensive player of the year. For bonus points, do you know what position he played in college? Was he fullback? He was a quarterback. Oh, oh. He was a quarterback. And he got a, a underhead touchdown pass last night. Oh, so yeah, that was yeah. that was interesting. Yeah, he played quarterback at the University of Cincinnati with his brother when That's they were right. both there. Uh, next next category, I for offensive player of the year, you're Travis Kelsey. I'm Deshaun Watson. Defensive player of the year. This one might be the first time where we agree. I'll just say it right now. Aaron Donald. Ooh, I went different, Jimmy. Oh, boy. I went different. I want to hear your reasoning because I, I, I need to hear your reasoning for this one. I went – I my, my reasoning is I didn't want to have the same name come up twice on this go. list. So I didn't, want, I didn't want to have the same name because we have bestie linemen and all that going forward. There's a preview of what my pick is. But I didn't want to have duplicates. So I picked Miles Garrett. Miles I, oh. I, Garrett had a fantastic year. No, we just flipped. Yeah, where we, we, put we flipped. So you have him for your best D line. Yeah, we might as well just get that out of the okay, way. Okay, yeah, because Miles Garrett had a great year. I think he, obviously, Aaron Donald could win Defensive Player of the Year every single year. He could honestly win MVP some years. Yeah. So I, I mean, what Miles Garrett did this year, I, I mean, he deserves all the credit in the world. He had a hell of a year. Um, the Browns organization is winning football games now in the yep. playoffs too. So he deserves a lot of credit for there. And um, if it wasn't for him, that defense probably would have struggled. And his pass rush was incredible this year. So give he give me him for my Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. I mean, the Browns kind of slump was in the middle of the season when Miles Garrett was out with COVID and then coming back. He had a really tough time recovering. That's what a lot of people don't realize. But he also got a lot of flack coming out of college because in in at Texas A and M he could dominate the game, but he also was a little bit lazy. We don't see that at all. He's a team captain, and it's a little bit interesting that he's a Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee after what a year, year. <laughs> yeah, a year after nearly decapitating Mason Rudolph with his own helmet. 
I I just got a good laugh out of that whole situation because the Browns lost their best defensive player for the rest of the season. Mason Rudolph had a dent in his head for the rest of the year. It was it was a great all around for Bengal for Bengals fans. I went Aaron Donald um, because like I'm not going to argue against no, you because that's a great pick. I, I think that he can win MVP some years, and I think that he's the best overall player in football and has been for probably uh, since they went to the Super Bowl. I believe that if he wasn't on that team that year, they would not have gone even close. I don't even know if they make the playoffs that year if he's not on the team. So Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett, defensive player of the year for both of us, and then bestie lineman. Next category we have. I think this is the one that we agree on, but we'll see. Best running back. Who do you got? Derrick Henry. Easily. Oh, no, Henry. no, we did not. 2,000 yards? 2,000 yards, Jimmy? You didn't give him for best running back? Oh, no. man. Derrick Henry was imposing as well, given the playoff performance wasn't great. But Derrick Henry, man, he performed out of his mind this season. I mean, I drafted him eighth in one of my fantasy – or sorry. He fell to eighth? No, no, sorry, sorry. I drafted fourth in one of my fantasy football leagues and projections where he was the eighth best running back. There, I mean, he was the eighth best – player to be drafted actually I take that back because they had Michael Tom they had receivers ahead of him but he was the eighth best player to be packed and I almost basically won the league because of him so Derrick Henry by far is my best running back the dude had a great year like I said he carried he carried that Titans team if, if if that Titans team runs on Derrick Henry if if he's not playing well they're not winning the game he got Arthur Smith a pretty sweet gig in Atlanta true, too yeah my best running back was Nick Chubb Mainly, I mean, yes, the, the you, injuries. You, you, you got a chub for Nick Chubb, so that's one of the reasons. Well, yeah, <laughs> pause on that, but no pause, no pause at all. I love it. I would, I would give anything to be able to block for him as a former offensive lineman. My thing with Nick Chubb and why I put him ahead of Derrick Henry, he can run the ball just as well and just as effectively, but it's what he can do in the passing game. Because a lot of his big plays, especially in the postseason, was little screen passes like that 40-yard touchdown that he had against the Steelers to kind of get them back on track in that game. I would say that he has, given the, the circumstances and the team around him, if Nick Chubb is not playing well, it affects the Browns more than if Derrick Henry is not playing well for the Titans. So that's why I picked him as my best running back. I don't know about that because obviously, I mean, uh, this that's very the tough, Titans yeah. have won games yeah, where they, Derrick Henry's rushed for less true, than 100 yeah, yards. That's true. They and the thing it, with the Browns, you got to remember, is Cremont had a great year. Yeah, too, I mean, so he does have a good a good backup, yeah. and, and Derrick Henry does. It's kind of Derrick Henry than everybody else on behind him in the running back position. They might as well throw Taylor Lewan back there. Yeah. Maybe maybe put maybe Comp in it. Yeah, yeah, it might be good. Uh, next next category we have best receiver. This one might be where we are agree. I'm probably going, not. I mean, we we're way off on all these. I'm going Stefan Diggs. Uh, led the league in receiving, and it, what he did to bounce back from last year in Minnesota to what he did this year in Buffalo with Josh Allen. On uh, Josh Allen m- improved a lot, but a lot of that also came from having a guy like Stefan Diggs to throw to, and a guy they were. You could just tell they had such a close bond and were such good friends that it made their play on the field better. So that's why I go Stefan Diggs for best receiver. I don't hate that at all. I'll, I'll say one more thing about the running back position. Honorable mentioned Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, great years, mm-hmm. but they weren't – I don't think they were up in that echelon yet. For me, my best receiver, I went a little bit different. I went Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, man, he – I mean, Aaron Rodgers made him look good, let's be honest. He, he made him look damn good. He's. I'll, I'll he, give he, him this. Devontae Adams is the best receiver on the line. Yeah. I mean, he's the best guy to get a good release. But that's yeah, so, so what Stefan Diggs this year, did this year, though, 
I will give him all the credit in the world. I do not hate your pick at all. I mean, we're probably not going to hate either of our picks no, I the mean, whole way. But Devontae Adams, I think, had a great year. He came he came up from nowhere. Like No one was really projecting him to be a, the, like a top two receiver in the game. And what he what Aaron Rodgers did with him this year mm-hmm. is not worthy, in my opinion. Yeah, he struggled in the NFC Championship, but he had a great year top to bottom. Yeah, there was one night where I couldn't fall asleep, and I was watching Mike'd Up, and it was when – Devontae Adams was mic'd up, and he was talking to Aaron Rodgers. Devontae Adams caught Aaron Rodgers' 200th touchdown pass and his 400th touchdown pass, which is kind of cool. Just yeah. the way that those guys have been able to to use each other and become the best, one of the best offensive duos in the league. Um, and like I said, Stephon Diggs might be a better route runner overall, but if you want a quick release and if you got a guy on the two yard line and you want a good slant and and have like five yards of separation, Devontae Adams is the guy to go to. So basically depends on your offensive philosophy there. Next one, best tight end. Uh, mine's Bobby Tunyon. Oh, I, you have Bobby Tunyon I here. I Bobby okay. Tunyon. I told you guys I you wasn't going to call him Robert. Board, yeah, you're full aboard the Bobby Tunyon train. Yes, yes. I, if I were to play tight end, that's how I would want to play tight end is the way Bobby Tunyon plays. Um, there's obviously a lot of other good, good picks to do. Uh, I'm sure that if you didn't pick yeah. Kelsey, Travis Kelsey for your offensive player of the year, he might have been your best tight end. And then you can talk about Darren Waller and, and all these other guys too. But uh, Tunyon, to me, the fact that he had more touchdown catches this year than um, drops – or not drops, touchdown catch, catches than actual receptions the year before coming off that injury, that was a hell of a bounce back year. He could, if it wasn't for Alex Smith and, and all of the stuff that he came back from – could have been uh, a breakout player, comeback player of the year type type season for him. Oh, 100%. I, I, I lied. <laughs> I picked someone twice. I forgot. Uh, I forgot about this outlier. Uh, <laughs> I lied. I picked Travis Kelsey for best tight end because, I mean, Darren Waller had a great year. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think Bobby Tunyon is up to Travis Kelsey's level yet. That's the only reason why I, I did that. Um, I'm kind of a little bit surprised you didn't have Travis Kelsey anywhere on your list. Um, I told you I don't consider him a tight end. Yeah, I know you don't consider him a tight end, but I'm going to give it to Travis Kelsey because, like like I said, with offensive player of the year, his numbers were outstanding. Yeah, it makes sense, especially with – And I hate saying that. Again, let me remind you, anytime I talk about the Chiefs in a good way, I hate saying it. I mean, Bite my tongue every single time I say something like that. I got a lot of people that you can talk good about. Um, Next category, and I changed this one up a little bit, best lineman slash fullback. Basically the Jimmy and Nico award. Yeah, uh, mine – it, my best offensive lineman this year was Brandon Scherf because he he's the if obviously nobody knows who that is because he's the guard for the Washington football team the team doesn't even have a name so how yeah. can you know one of their offensive linemen but Antonio Gibson had a breakout year and what a lot of people didn't see when he was doing that is Brandon Scherf was absolutely dominating his side of the offensive line and when you have a guy like that I, if if you're an offensive lineman and you haven't watched Brandon Scherf's college highlights from Iowa put a tie on the door before Make sure that nobody is going to disturb you while you do this because it is, it's not the same level as Quentin Nelson's highlights from college, but is damn close. He he was a monster at Iowa, and he's starting to become that leader in the NFL that everybody thought he was. So Brandon Scherf is my best lineman of the twenty twenty well, season. You just said my pick. I had Quentin Nelson as my well, as my best offensive lineman. I'll I'll say I'll sh- say your Antonio Gibson and one up you and say Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> what Jonathan Taylor was able to do in Indianapolis was off the back of Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson was dominant this year. People were saying you should not draft a guard um, at six. You should you should you should 
go elsewhere. But Quentin Nelson is a generational guard, and he has put up fantastic. Um, he is the tone setter for that Colts team. Yeah. And one of the one, one of the big reasons why the Colts had so much success was their running game. And off the backs of Quentin Nelson, man, he was an absolute stud. I, I couldn't really – I mean – Fullback-wise, I could have gave it to... Um, I would have given it to Ricard or... or Ricard Pigger. or Alec Ingold yeah. was the other one I could think of. There wasn't a whole lot. Do you realize options. Ricard is over 300 pounds? He's, yeah, he's, six, he's, he's thick boy. 6'2", 309. He's thick. <laughs> I think he's a converted D-lineman. Uh, I, I want to see he what Quinn... A, yeah, he's a converted D-lineman. I want to yeah. see what Quinn Nelson does now that Anthony Costanzo retired mm-hmm. um, because he's had a pretty good left tackle to play with for those years. I think that he's going to be fine. Uh, and if you had a problem with Quentin Nelson being drafted sixth overall, just go back and watch that highlight against Georgia where he identifies a blitzing safety from the across, from the other side of the field, leaves where he is, and just goes and lays him out. That was That's how you know that he was going to be good. Obviously, next category for us, best defensive lineman. Mine was Miles Garrett. Yeah, Nico's was Aaron Donald. Donald. We, we, just, won't, we won't bark at that. No, we, we already gave, gave our thoughts on both those guys. Next category, best linebacker. Uh, I went Devin White, and it was basically for the last couple weeks of the season, but I really like Devin White coming out of college. And I would thought that the Broncos were dumb as hell not drafting him when they could have. You you, you were more pissed about Devin Bush. Well, I mean, I Devin, mean Devin, Devin I think Devin, Devin White them, ended yeah. up going before, the like a pick before the Broncos, yeah. but they still had a chance at Devin Bush. Uh, but Devin White, I thought that he was going to be something, and, and he's proven that Tampa is – their inside linebacking core is just absolutely insane. I will say I was going to give it to Quan Alexander until he tore his Achilles uh, or whatever injury he had. I can't really remember what it was specifically. But Devin White, the speed that man has playing linebacker and the way that he can affect games, always around the football some way, uh, reminds me, I mean, not necessarily athletic-wise. I love Quartzy, but he's not that fast. But it just reminds me of a guy like like our old teammate Gabe Quartz, where he knows the game so well, he's always where the play is going to be, and that's what you need from an inside linebacker. So Devin White's my best linebacker this year. Oh man, like I said, I don't hate that at all. I think Devin White is going to be an X factor in the Super Bowl. He's going to have a big key to play, especially lining up against Travis Kelsey. Yep. So he's he's going to be big in that game for me. My best linebacker, a player that people don't really talk about, didn't really talk about a whole lot, um, that had a fantastic year and that led a defense, basically run the team was Darius Leonard. Uh, Darius Leonard with the Colts, the Colts were very, they're defensive heavy. They, they were a great defensive team. They, they're they very young. Darius Leonard, who was rookie of the year last year, or maybe two years ago, defensive rookie uh, two of the years year, ago. two years ago, he had a great year. Um, he He's the anchor of that defense. And the Colts defense, we're kind of seeing not – not necessarily the defenses of old with Robert Mathis and um, oh my god I can't think of his name Dwight Freeney Dwight Freeney there we go god damn it I'm pissed I forgot about that name um, but he he has been a great linebacker for them and he's done a lot of great things down there in Indianapolis and I can't hate on that no I think uh, yeah he, he was injured at the beginning of the year so he didn't get to play at the beginning but once he did I mean he almost got them past the Bills in that wild card round he was going to be the reason. Shut down Josh Josh Allen for the most part, except for a few plays. So, if you're if you're talking about the next generation of great inside linebackers like the Ray Lewis's of of the past decades, Devin White, Darius Leonard, two of the, those guys that could possibly make that next step. Uh, I put best pass rusher because obviously there's some guys that are listed as linebackers that never drop into coverage. <clears throat> Von Von Miller. Khalil Mack, Bradley Chubb. Bradley no. Chubb. I mean, Bradley Chubb shouldn't be a linebacker. He was a DN in college, yeah. anyways. Uh, so, best pass rusher. It hurts me to say this. It really, really hurts me to say this. 
TJ Watt. Okay, I, I mean I don't hate that at all. I I know, and it's a good it's it's a good objective pick, but I hate that I picked a Steeler. Yeah, I, I'm gonna hate you even. I'm gonna, you're gonna hate this even more because I picked TJ Watt as well. Um, <sighs> because I I don't want duplicates. I think another person that deserves consideration here is Chase Young. Chase Young had a great year. Um, as a rookie, he's not there yet, but TJ Watt, man. When the, when the Steelers were winning football games, he was one of the main reasons why. He mm-hmm. was outstanding top to bottom. He um, dominated for so long, and he, I mean, like I said. Only detriment you can say is that when Bud Dupree got injured, he was completely taken out of the game. Yeah, yeah that's, I mean, that's the only problem with him. But yeah. either way, he's going to be great for a lot of years, unfortunately. But T.J. Watt, I mean, as much as you hate the Steelers, it's I like the Watt brothers. I think it's fun watching them play football. They play with a lot of passion, a lot of energy, and he's no, no different like than his brothers. Oh, I think that we might see a Watt brothers reunion next year, and, yeah. and JJ's will be out of Houston. We might get all three on one team, and I'll have even more reason to hate the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> um, like, go ahead. I know who your pick is for the next one. Best DB. I think I know who your pick is for the next one. I, I think you're wrong. Oh, okay. I'm going to surprise you. Okay. I picked I pick Jalen Ramsey. Oh, yeah. I, I was wrong. I, I picked Jalen Ramsey. He, top to bottom, was the best corner of football, in my opinion. Yeah. And he was an, a stud, t- and he absolutely balled out all year. If it wasn't for the Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers connection, he shut down every single receiver that was put in front of him. And there's, like, there's very, very few receivers nowadays that can do that. I think I think you know where I'm going with my honorable mention is Justin Simmons. Yeah, that's There's who my, I thought yeah, you were going to pick. That's my honorable mention because Justin Simmons is an absolute ball hawk. We'll talk about him in here in a minute about his um, stuff going forward. But with with Jalen Ramsey, I love Justin Simmons to death. I think he's the X factor for the Denver Broncos. But Jalen Ramsey shut down every single corner or excuse me, every receiver that was put in his direction. Yeah. I mean, not there wasn't a single receiver outside of Devontae Adams of with having a one touchdown day. And 106 yards in the AFC um, play, or excuse me, NFC playoffs. Outside that, he shut down every single point of, in front of him. D- uh, DK Metcalf, non-existent. Yep. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, when they played him, non-existent. Whoever it was, that division especially, with a lot of great talent at the receiver position, he balled out. Um, so I got to give it to Jalen Ramsey. I'm going Jesse Bates, which is why I thought you were going Justin Simmons. Uh, I know that the Bengals' defense and the Bengals as a whole weren't that great to watch this year. Jesse Bates was one of the lone bright spots when I did was able to turn on a Bengals game. I at least knew he was going to be in the right yeah. place. Not many, not other, not many, too many other people on that defense that I could say that about. And I think it'll get better. But from being one of the guys that the Bengals actually drafted and have developed into one of the top people at their at the, his position. I really like what they've done with Jesse Bates, and I think that this was his best year so far, and he can get better. So I'm picking him now. It's kind of the same reason that I, I picked Josh Allen. I want to be on it now so that when he, everybody else knows that it's coming, I've already been able to say it. So Jesse Bates was my best defensive back this year. Um, there's obviously way more honorable mentions. Tyron Matthew, Dirty Dan Sorensen. Um, and, Jair Alexander, yeah. great year for Green Bay. He was literally the lone strong spot for the Packers defense at points. Yeah, so uh, next category we have best kicker or punter. Uh, mine is Jason Saunders, who is the place kicker for Miami. Kickers are people too, well, I guess, maybe. But For the brand, baby. Well, for the brands for punters. I'm not yeah. going to count kickers in that. Uh, but my Jason Saunders had the second best regular season field goal percentage and – 
Honestly, the Dolphins didn't win a whole lot by more than a few scores. And when you have a kicker that's that consistent, it's always you're always in contention if your defense can hold the other offense, which that's how the Dolphins won all their games this year because we all know Tua wasn't winning games. Um, but Jason Saunders was my pick for best kicker this year. Jimmy, I'm disappointed in you, buddy. How, how did this guy not win your best kicker as punter of the year? That young ho, cool, baby. Well, young ho, cool. He led the league in points this year, did he not? I think he did. I think he did. He I led the he league as a, as a, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm not going to try to guess what race he is because I think Korean. he's Korean. Yeah, Korean. Young I think, yeah, he's Korean, and this dude is kicking footballs in the NFL. Don't name. Give a young Oku, man. The dude put up, like like I said, he had the most points by a player this season. He's on a shit Atlanta Falcons team. That's true. If you threw on Falcons games, all you cared about was getting to see him go out there and kick. So give me Young Ho Koo for my best kicker size punter. Young Way Koo. That Young Ho Koo. That's that Young Ho Koo. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's that's you know fair. I was I was gonna pick him, but I. I you had a feeling know. I was gonna pick him. I did. <laughs> I did. I, I, was I, was like, him. I think Jason Saunders won, or I had it in my head that Miami's kicker won the best kicker for college. And then their kicker ended up being good for the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't really pay attention to kicking that much. I used to long snap, but that was about it. Uh, next category we have best returner. Mine is Brandon Wilson, who had the 103-yard kick return for the Bengals, longest touchdown in franchise history. That's totally just a homer pick. I, I just wanted to mention that he has the longest touchdown in franchise history. I, I mean, for me, my pick was the only guy who does literally only is his only purpose on the team is to kick return punts and kicks, and that's Cordero Patterson. Yep. He, he he does nothing else besides that. And he, I mean, obviously there it's a it's a position where now there's there's specialists. But he was drafted as a receiver, and then now he's a glorified punt returner. So yeah, that's it. he plays a running back every now and then too. I'm sure Zach Kyleman of the Gridiron Gallery yeah. podcast, also one of the guys on the NFL and Hinge show. I don't know if he likes that pick, but he probably respects it. Uh, there's not too much you can say about anything like that. Obviously, there's the guys like the Nicole Hartman's uh, Pringle, who got the kick return against the Broncos in the first game. Yep. Yep. Um, so there's there's actually. For everybody thinking that the kick return was going to be taken away from with all the different rule changes, kick returns actually still pretty exciting. I know Jamal Williams even returned a couple of kicks yesterday in the NFC Championship game. Um, so th- I think that position is actually starting to come back. Not as good as it was with the uh, guy from the Bears. Um, Devin, Devin Hester. Hester there you go. Not as good as Devin Hester, but they're getting getting somewhere. Uh, Coach of the year. I'll, I'll start mine's Kevin Stefanski with what he was able to do with the, for the Browns. I, I'm by your reaction. I don't, I don't hate that at all. Okay. That was my sleeper pick. Okay. That was um, my sleeper pick. I, I'm, I, I want Sean McDermott. Yeah. Those were the two I mean, in my those head. Are the top two. Stefanski probably, actually, I don't know. I think, I think McDermott will win it because, Just because of, he went farther. Yeah. Went farther in playoffs, but Stefanski, what he was able to do with that Bills team. Well-deserved. Yeah. Well-deserved. No, I think both those guys have turned around struggling franchises and now, like we said, both the Browns and the Bills have huge futures ahead of them. So, and those two guys are the, are the main reasons why. Um, next one, we have Defensive Rookie of the Year. Mine's Antoine Winfield Jr. Because I, I felt like you were going to pick Chase Young. Um, yeah, I mean, Antoine Winfield Jr. is making a lot of – he's a big X factor for the Buccaneers, especially in the Super Bowl going forward. Mm-hmm. So I think he, he's been the most effective. I think – Chase Young, I remember when we talked about pre-draft, you said you wanted Chase Young first overall a long time ago. Before a very long time very, ago. Very, very long time ago. I think ago. I was still on Gunnison Sports Talk Radio <laughs> yeah, when was, I said that. That was a fat minute ago, but Chase Young is, is 
he willed that defense, and he is going to be the the anchor of that Washington football team. Hopefully, Washington Red Tails or Washington uh, Red Wolves. Hopefully, yeah. something different soon. Uh, but he's been an anchor on that team. And Antoine Mayfield is going to be a great safety for a lot of years to come. Yeah, I think that hopefully he's back healthy because the the strength of that Buccaneers defense is the linebackers and safeties. Mm-hmm. And right now, they don't have either of their safeties, so I th- they need one of them back to combat that Kansas City offense next. Offensive Rookie of the Year. I'm interested to see who you picked for this one, and that'll kind of base who my pick is. So yeah. who, do, who do you have Offensive Rookie I, I of the Year? I went Jonathan Taylor. I think Jonathan Taylor has put up fantastic numbers all year. Uh, honorable mentions would be Chase Claypool. Probably, don't, don't say the other one because that's that's mine. Yeah, probably should have probably should have went with the other one. But, I mean, I wanted to differ from you here, here too. That's why I said Jonathan Taylor because – the, uh, there's an obvious answer here, yeah. um, but Ant- Jonathan Taylor, I think, is going to be a sleeper next year for fantasy football teams. So, if you're a fantasy football player, or I mean, if you're a normal human being, most fantasy people football play, owner, yeah, if you're a fantasy football owner, most people play fantasy football. Pick up Jonathan Taylor because he's go- he's a running back next year that could make a huge jump in year two. And when you look at running backs to have big years in their second year, he's one of those people that come to mind. Um, yeah. So he's going to be a person that people are going to like in the future. And there's no receivers for Indianapolis yeah. that you have to worry about. It's going to be a run run heavy offense. Mine was Justin Jefferson, the guy who's yeah. probably going to win it anyways when the NFL has their honors show. Um, and that's a little bit biased towards the quarterback that I have for my team now, Joe Burrow. And I had, I'll fight anybody who says that this year's Bama offense was not as was more talented than 2019's LSU offense I think that a case can be made for both and Justin Jefferson was a big part of that I'm really interested to see what Jamar Chase does when he comes out this year especially not playing in college this past season I I, those two receivers the guys that didn't come in heavily recruited at all to LSU they have turned into some of the more talented guys that we've seen and once they move Justin Jefferson from the slot to the outside in Minnesota Kirk Cousins looked competent, and that's very difficult to do. Very Kirk Cousins won a, a primetime game with Justin Jefferson. Yeah. So I, I, he, he replaced Diggs, and that's what they needed. Uh, and, and Minnesota kind of lucked into that one. They backed into a, a good situation, yeah. letting go of they, Diggs and then yeah. getting Jefferson. Yeah, they got lucky. The Eagles were dumbasses and picked Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. Uh, I have no clue how they did that, but it's a dumb, dumb decision for them. Uh, that's going to be the end. We have, we're going to talk about – Nico's a Broncos fan. I'm a Bengals fan. So we'll talk about our Walter Payton Man of the Year nominees for each of our teams. Uh, I guess I'll start. Geno Atkins is the nominee for the Bengals. Been a long, obviously long time defensive lineman for them. I believe eight-time all, uh, three, three, four-time All-Pro, eight-time Pro Bowler. Uh, gonna, I believe, gonna be a Hall of Famer with the way that he rushes a passer from the inside. But he does. He has a very heavily involved with the diabetes foundation in America. Um, having people in my life who've been diabetic in different types and everything like that. I think that's a huge thing that doesn't get a lot of recognition, but should, uh, but he also does a lot of work with food banks, his kind of foundation, quote unquote, there's not really a website or anything to it. It's called Atkins week, uh, where they provide food for, struggling families this year it's normally a week leading up to thanksgiving this year they did eight days during due to the pandemic and everything like that just doing what he can and and i read a really cool quote that geno atkins understands his place as a professional athlete not just to bring you entertainment on the field but also to use his platform to move the community around him better and if you listen to joe burrow's heisman speech you know that there's a ton of places especially in southeastern and and midwestern ohio 
that needs stuff like this. So uh, not, you, you'll have a link to Justin, Jer- Justin Simmons' actual um, foundation, but I put the, I'll put the links to the Food Bank of America and the American Diabetes Foundation in the link to this episode as well. If you have the means or if just take the time to, to share it to somebody, those are two really worthy causes, and, and I'm glad Geno Atkins is getting a chance to bring light to them this no, year. No doubt about it. We, we didn't want to pick a winner for this award because the, all 32 recipients or nominees deserve it. It's not like it's a, it's a thing where it's, a, it's who played better. It's, it's every single person that has been nominated deserves it. Directly. So uh, For the Broncos, it was Justin Simmons, like Jimmy said. Uh, Justin Simmons founded the Justin Simmons Foundation. Um, you can check that out at www.justinsimmonsfoundation.org. Um, he, it's the second time being Walter Payton Man of the Year. His focus is on the inner city in Denver, Colorado. Obviously, um, Jimmy and I are from the suburbs, and, and, and inner city downtown Denver is not the greatest. His his focus throughout the years has been on getting education for younger kids as well as is working on creating uh, – uh, food programs for inner city schools and in, in downtown Denver to help those um, organizations out. Uh, he, he's 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 trying to outreach to even more now uh, African Americans in Denver as well. He's he's been a big leader and stand up guy for all for he's been the face of the Broncos for all that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's a guy that is a leader for the Broncos and should never wear a different color than orange and blue. That's something we'll talk about later on. Hopefully, he never leaves. But what he's done in his community, working on education reform and, and being there for the um, kids that don't necessarily have it, has been found fantastic. Like I said, it's the second time he's been nominated for this award, and um, he is deservedly so, along with Geno Atkins and every other player that's been nominated. Yeah, I mean, the legacy behind the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. It's the, it's the best award in football every yeah. single year. Obviously, Walter Payton was a great human on the field and then off the field as well. Um, and it, it was tragic the way his life ended and, and the time that he got on, on this earth, but he left enough of a legacy that every single year, every team nominates one of their guys who's gone above and beyond for the community. And I really enjoy what Justin Simmons is trying to do because there's being, I, I've studied sociology in college and just, there's so many systemic problems that can't, that are, are big enough, too big to be fixed right away, but just giving these guys a meal that they probably wouldn't have gotten any other way, especially now not going to school every single day with the pandemic. It's a, it's a huge deal. Yeah. Working with the boys and girls club of Denver as well. And getting these kids active because I mean, not to brag, but Colorado is one of the most active States in Mm -hmm. the, in the United States. And I'm constantly making sure kids are out and about doing sports, doing different things and getting, getting them out of trouble is what's going to set this future up well and in the right direction yeah the idle mind is the devil's playground busy hands make means that you're going to be out of trouble um so with those we'll we'll have all the links to the foundations and everything in the description of this episode but wanted to make make sure that we mentioned the walter payton man of the year nominees we'll take another quick break listen to some more of our partners um and then if you listen to this next part on ColorCast, you'll already hear what what's coming up but we'll have our ending of the show segments live on the ColorCast app be sure to download that through the link in our bio and then we'll be able to wrap this one up episode 25 of the far end of the bench uh will be we'll finish up here on the unhinged sports network What's up, bench warmers of the Unhinged Sports Network? We got another thing to, to get to because, you know, nobody likes dealing with cable companies in 2020. And here at the Unhinged Sports Network, we wanted to cater to you guys to go into the new age, cut your cable cords with Fubo TV. We have a new link, a new partnership. 
You can go to the link in our bio, and if you sign up for a subscription through that link, you will kick back a little bit of money to the Unhinged Sports Network so we can continue to bring great content all across this platform. And we got big things coming up in 2021, so you're going to have to to get in on this, and we're helping you out in the process. Yeah, make, make your life easier, man. No one likes dealing with cable companies. You don't get half the channels. Um, sometimes there's blackouts. That's not present with Fubo. You can get whatever you want. I can watch Sunday Night Football with no sweat. I can watch the, or, TN, or I can watch basketball on TNT anytime I want. Um, get, be sure to use Fubo, man. I'm definitely going to use it. I hate paying for cable, so I'm going to be using that right right now as we speak, if we're being honest. And I want to make sure to get on that deal so now it's your turn to do the same. Help out the Unhinged Sports Network. Cut your cable cord. Come into the digital age. Thanks, guys. What's up, ColorCast? On the Unhinged Sports Block and also the Benchwarmers who are tuning in for this episode. Uh, like we said, we're doing portions of our shows live on the ColorCast app because we have a great partnership with them and the Unhinged Sports Network. So we're, we're giving you that little sneak peek here. Uh, Nico, let's get into our ending of the week segment. Start off with Benchwarmer of the oh, Week. Oh, it, Benchwarmer of the Week, man. It's For those listening out there, it's our award that we don't give out as a good thing you don't want to win this one you don't want to win this award Benchroll, don't don't take it as venture one week as it, it's a good thing at all no um i think we have i you i looked at your bench over the week and i was a little intrigued because i wanted to pick him but my bench one week it's pretty obvious it's conor mcgregor Ooh. it's conor mcgregor I, it's a slight jab but he took enough jabs in the face Jeez. as it is but my bench one of the week is conor puns McGregor. galore over here he he uh he took some shots to the leg on a crutch he had, a, he had a tough weekend. All this hype, everyone was predicting him to be put back into the title picture right away and be on top of the world, but that is far from what happened. No, it is not what happened at all. Um, and if you're tuning in on ColorCast, Jimmy Plato, Nico Bryant of the Far End of the Bench podcast, we are a proud member of the Unhinged Sports Network. Um, my bench warm of the week, Matt LaFleur, because like I said yeah. earlier on in this episode, he's the second coach in NFL history to make it to the conference championship his first two seasons and lose. And you're going to want to put my foot in your mouth if you know the other guy. Rex Ryan's the only other head coach to do that. Um, so I think he, he's pretty deserving. That, that Packers team is mentally soft, man. It's, it's a bad, and he's wasting a generational talent, a quarterback. That whole organization, I'm not going to just place the blame on the floor. He's only been there two years. That whole organization's wasting a generational talent, a quarterback. So he's my bench warmer of the week. I mean, they're both deservedly. So it's, there's, there's no hate at all for either one of those. No, I th- I think uh, people would agree with us, or or you don't, because maybe you're a Packers fan. But mm-hmm. let's go ahead, finish up with the rest of our ending of the show segments. We do these ones every week. We win people money on this show, so if you're tuning in on ColorCast, be sure to continue. You know, find us on the Unhinged Sports Network from one to three p.m. Uh, Wednesdays, or anywhere you can find podcasts. The Far End of the Bench, YouTube on Thursdays. But be sure to listen to us because Nico said it earlier. He went even, but he he has won some pretty good money yeah, on UFC. I'm events. down big. I'll be honest. Actually, I'm not down huge, but I'm almost. I'm 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 even so far in my total account. I've had a bad couple weeks. No, and and let's go ahead. We'll start off. I'll start off my beat, first beat of the week. Iowa basketball plus two fifteen to make final four of the NCAA tournament this year. I, I know Wait, I don't know how they've gone so far, but I know they started off the season pretty hot. I'll tell you one reason why is Luke Garza. Yep. Luke Garza was my player of the week not too long ago. He has been outstanding of the year. He's he's working his way into the conversation for a top five pick in the draft next year. He, he I mean I don't I don't know how much you can take that into 
with the grain of salt. But Iowa has been has been playing very well. They've upset a few teams, upset Illinois. They've beat some teams handedly. Um, I don't hate that at all. I, I think it's weird, though, because with the NCAA tournament, there's going to be a lot of new teams, I think, this year. A lot of different. It's Everybody not, makes the tournament yeah, this year. Yeah, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be weird. So I don't hate that at all, though. For no. me, my first beast, first beast of the week, I was struggling. I'll tell you, I was struggling a lot to find these. But my first one, Rafael Nadal to win the Australian Open. That's that's the first, it's the the tournament. I believe starts either Thursday or Friday. I'm not entirely sure. Um, they, it's coming up soon. Um, I was gonna pick Djokovic, but he was a dick to all the workers in Australia and saying that he's hating life in the bubble and that he should be able to walk it about and blah blah blah. I mean. Give it how you take it, but it's 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 a world we live in, and you have to be cautious, especially in a different country. Hey, you Australia. get to play a tournament and have a possibility of winning millions of dollars in the payout. Yeah, it, you got to be. So I'll give it to Nadal because Nadal is still on top of the world in his prime. Give me back to back, back to back to back major wins because the next major will be the French Open, and no one is better on clay than the. Rafael Nadal. That's true. I remember that was if you listened to the show for a while, that was one of the first beats of the week. Yeah, that you because had. the French Open got pushed back yep. just so far. Yeah. All right, my next one: Oklahoma football plus eight hundred to win the national championship next year. Now, I don't necessarily. You're betting on Spencer Rattler here. Well, mainly, you know, Oklahoma runs that conference, so I think that they'll have a shot to be in the playoff. I think this year was an outlier for the Sooners, and I do think what Rattler showed in the in the bowl game, granted, there's a ton of holdouts from uh, Oklahoma, or not Oklahoma, from Florida. I do think that they have a decent chance. I trust Lincoln Riley to get that team ready, and Spencer Rattler's a top five Heisman candidate for the next season too. So it's not like they they don't have the talent. Um, they'll be reloading and they'll be back again next year. It hurts me to say I don't necessarily think it's going to happen, but hey, plus eight hundred, throw a little bit of money down there now and and see what happens leading up to there. Oh, 100%. I don't hate that at all. My, my next beat of the week, I'm going with the basketball side. I'm going to give give me Tyrese Halliburton for Rookie of the Year. I know everyone's on the mellow ball hype train. I know Is every, that the dude from Cleveland? No, it's the dude from Sacramento. So my, so our friends of the reserves are, yeah. are going to love that pick. But Halliburton has been playing outstanding basketball. It, it's going to be a popularity pick probably, in all honesty, at the end of the year. It's probably going to be LaMelo because of his name, because of the – He's been playing decently. But Halliburton has been the best rookie so far. He's been playing outstanding. The fact he dropped to 12, I think, or might have been 13, is ridiculous. Um, the Kings got a steal, and Halliburton has been playing outstanding. Well, I, I can't really speak to that because I haven't watched a single yeah. Kings game. My next beat of the week, Padres are plus 850 to win the World Series next year. Now, they had a, a great season. Nobody was expecting this past year, and they made a huge deal in the offseason season. Uh, I think the West is really wide open, other than the Dodgers, of course. But now the Dodgers have won the World Series. They've gotten the monkey off their back. Who knows if they kind of take their foot off the pedal. I, I can see the Padres sneaking in, winning that division, and making a huge run in the playoffs this season. So, so the pa- Padres got a lot better. Yeah. They got a lot better. This Plus 850 season. is huge odds, too. Completely opposite direction of what the Colorado Rockies did. Uh, um, we, you got to bring up the Rockies. Yeah, I had to. I had to because we're the division rivals. But, I mean, Matt Hall, they still touched home. Padres fans, don't ever forget that. Um, my next beat of the week, I'm gonna go. Like I said, we had to do some futures bets here because, like I said, no UFC fights, and we 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 pick these on Monday, and the show comes out Wednesday, so it's kind of hard to pick basketball games that don't come out yet. Um, but for my next beat of the week, I picked the Nets to win the NBA Finals. 
like I like I said, it's it's a long shot. I, it's more of a thing. I don't want to see the Lakers win. <laughs> what are the odds on that? It, it, it's right now plus three hundred. They they have the second best odds. The Lakers, I ble- I believe, are plus one fifty. I mean, I'm not entirely positive, but plus three hundred is pretty good odds. Um, I there. I mean, obviously after the Harden deal, they got to get their stuff together. But I think they're the best team in the East by far. Um, they just got to get their stuff together. There's rumors they may go out and get Kevin Love and get out get Javale McGee. I don't know how they're going to trade for them because they have no draft capital or assets no. at all anymore. So no, I'm not draft- sure how that's going to work. They're drafting for Houston for the next few years. <laughs> yeah, so I don't I, I don't know how that's going to work. Either way, give me um, the Nets to win at plus 300. Uh, and you could probably parlay that with them to make the finals yeah. or win the Eastern Conference, so you can kind of hedge your bet a little bit there. So be sure to get your, get your bets in now because these lines will change. These are all future bets, and who knows if there's another huge – there could be another Woj bomb that – changes the the odds for the nets or you know i there's not really a woge of the, of the mlb but there, there could be something else that happens the dodgers are always liable to make a huge trade or or something like that so then next our next segment we'll go player of the week and i'll start this one nathan mckinnon i was gonna go burakovsky because he kind of started off the season pretty hot i'll go nathan mckinnon now eight points in six games he has more assists and goals which is kind of showing me that yes he's the best offensive player on your team but he does make everybody on the ice with him better because he's setting up guys. Miko Rantanen has five goals, and I think three or four of them were assisted by Nathan McKinnon. So Nathan, Mac is he's going to win the heart this year, has a chance for the Ross if he starts scoring some goals. Best player in hockey. That's all I got to say. Best player in hockey. My, my uh, next to play and player of the week have to rely around one event, and my player of the week is Dustin Poirier. I, I mean, I'm picking UFC stuff all around because I didn't like how the Sunday went for football because the two teams I wanted to win did not win. Uh, but my player of the week, Dustin Poirier, like I said, uh, the world finally got introduced to him. Mm. And what he was able to do to one of the best around there, Conor McGregor, um, goes without showing. And he, he is an absolute animal. And I expect a great things from him in the near future because he's just hitting his prime now. Yeah, and at 32 years old, maybe 33 years old, he is hitting his stride and getting a big payday, knocking out Conor McGregor. Uh, he is set up for the future. No, he's really – I mean – we, we said it earlier on in this show, so if you're listening on ColorCast, be sure to go back and, and check that out. But he set himself up. He's right there with the other top four contenders in that division. One of them is going to get a title shot, and I can't wait. I hope he fights Chandler for the title. I really do. Uh, my play of the week, Devin White's scoop and return. Wasn't a scoop and score. Almost That's two times where he's gotten a turnover and just barely almost made it to the end zone. Uh, but I'll say it again. He set up the game-clinching touchdown for Tampa Bay in the third quarter. Uh, also, knocked, that was the play that Aaron Jones was knocked out of the game on. So it, it was really big. Like I said, always around the ball. I, I'm going to give it to him. I think that he, he's my favorite linebacker in the league right now until the guys for the Bengals get going a little bit. But I think that he's had a huge couple weeks, especially um, helping Tampa Bay get into the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't hate that at all. My play of the week is Michael Chandler Kale. Like I said, I, I won 50 bucks off of it. I, yeah, I got back even because I bet all that on Conor McGregor to win, and I lost it. So, I mean, that's what you got to do sometimes. You got to bet the co-main event, win money there, and then hopefully double that with the main event, but I didn't do that this week. Michael Chandler Kale was absolutely fantastic. The the backflip off the, the cage and the, the promo he cut, all that good stuff. Give me that. 
I'll give the backflip a seven. But that right hand was from Columbia, Missouri, all the way mm-hmm. through. I think Dan Hooker's ancestors felt that one over in Australia or New Zealand. I can't remember where he's from exactly. Uh, but there's our final ending of the show segment. So if you're listening on ColorCast, be sure to tune in Friday for the Nuggets and Spurs. Is, Spurs, yeah. yeah. Nuggets and Spurs game. Nico and I will be one of the commentaries for that, uh, On the, obviously from the Unhinged Sports Network. But now let's go ahead and send the people home happy um, get our plugs in because this is episode 25 of the far end of the bench. Been doing this for a long time, it feels like, but not really. Not minute, yeah, not really, but man, we, we've uh, grown quite a bit, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Our family, especially with, with Boomer, and, and we, we are, we've, like you said, we're quarter of the way to 100 now, yep. and it feels like just yesterday we started this all. But like I said, a lot of great things coming. Um, next week we have a special guest coming on. We won't, we won't release that yet. We'll probably release that on Monday's episode next week. Yeah. Um, because we're we're still figuring out the day when the interview's happening. Um, but we'll, it's definitely happening and will be happening ne- next week. So you guys got to look out for that. And this is not blowing smoke. This is going to be huge. You guys, huge. like we've we've had a big interview in the past. Go back and listen to the Birdman episode because that was great with the history he has with Nico and his dad Mark. But this is on par with. I mean. When we say we got big guests, they're world champions. Yeah, I mean it's it's worthy of Super Bowl week. Yes, there's a reason why we we're having it come out Super Bowl week and have that big mantra around it because we're a Denver-based podcast. I, I mean, here's another clue: it's Denver tie. It has Denver ties to it. Yep. I mean, that's not that big of a clue because they probably won't guess it off that. Um, but it's it has Denver ties. It's special to us. Um, it, it's going to be huge for the. For the for us, and it's gonna be you guys are gonna enjoy that interview a lot because I'm telling you right now, he has a lot of great stories. Yes, he does. Um, and I'm gonna be nerding out, geeking out because he plays one of the positions I used to play. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media at feotb pod link uh, link tree in the bio. That's where you can find all our information: Spotify page, Apple Podcast page, YouTube channel, the far end of the bench. Be sure to subscribe if you're watching that. Subscribe, hit the notification bell. Thursdays, we're going to have more content coming out. If you see the jersey, I'm not going to be running up and down the court, but I I may be coaching at some point of the men's rec league uh, that Nico's going to be on. Be sure to follow the network, the Unhinged Sports Network, at Network Unhinged on Twitter, at UnhingedSN. On Instagram, unhingedsn.airtime.pro is where you can find 24-7 coverage from all, all the shows on the Unhinged Sports Network. Go follow us on all those platforms. Yeah. I guarantee you, I mean, obviously, we love doing this podcast first. I, I say this all the time, but we're, we're growing a brand, and we're doing more and more outside of just being the podcast, and we're going to continue putting out great content for the far end of the bench listeners. Definitely. And then uh, be sure to catch Nico on 3 in the Key every other Monday. I'll be on two for chirping every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Yep. We had the last couple of weeks of NFL on Hinge too before yep. we do the off season stuff and everything. I'm um, take a break from that, but got be on the lookout for that too. Yeah, there's tons of great stuff coming your way. And film review with Jimmy on there too. I'm, I'm Saturdays, sure. Saturdays at 6 p.m. Uh, me and Carlos, the wrestling movie guy, are going to be back on. We'll those that episode, that show is one ep- episode per month that gets replayed every Saturday, so you can catch it whenever you guys have a chance. Uh, but yeah, there's there's tons of stuff coming down down the pipe, and we're happy that you're here with us. So for that, for Boomer, our unofficial mascot, Nico, my co-host, myself, Jimmy, this has been Far Under the Bench, episode 25. We'll see you guys next week. Rip Mamba and Mamba Sita. Peace. When the night is cold and lonely. This is a dollar bell piece.
Was it the money that made me a savage? Popping them purses and I made it a habit. Towing them pistols and serving them addicts. That was exciting to me. I'm so excited to be. Started with nothing, we had to inspire the beat. Elephants against me. I'm getting to it. Feel like the man. I got the plan. I call the shooters, they out with the van. 